Well, good morning, Niners fans. It is good to have you back here for 49ers Wake Up. Uh, Larry, we are officially changing the name of the show, though, today. Instead of it being 49ers Wake Up, it's going to be 49ers Wake Up. <laughs> wake the fuck up! Oh, my gosh. Three weeks Oh man. I mean, here, Larry, it's good to be five and three in any eight game stretch of football, but this is the worst official five and three that you can have with three losses, bringing you into a bye week. And it just gets everybody, you know, into what should be a reset and relaxing moment of their season on edge. And uh, maybe that's a good thing because the 49ers have an awful lot of improvement to make with the guys that are in the room. And I really hope over the next 24, 48 hours, they might even be adding to that room and maybe the 49ers wake up call that they needed to do more at the deadline was given to them by the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Breathe, breathe in, breathe out, take a breath. Everybody calm down. Everybody relax. These things happen. You win games, you lose games. You have great games. You have bad games. Um, you know what? It's the Bengals. We got to first of all, before we start bitching and moaning about the 49ers, and we will before we start assessing blame and we will. Um, let's give credit where credit is due. Joe Burrow, great player. Jamar Chase, incredible player. Cincinnati Bengals got off to a slow start. They're a Super Bowl contender. If they wound up in the Super Bowl this year, I would not be shocked. Uh, they are a good football team, and they outplayed the Niners. They outcoached the Niners. They outexecuted the 49ers. They came to town. They won the game, and they earned it. They absolutely earned it, and they looked really good in the process. So, um, I just think that's, you know, one thing that we have to keep in mind here is that, man, the Bengals were really, really good yesterday and, um, you know, credit them, you know, we can tear up our opponent, the opponent all we want and we will, but, you know, it really is important that we, that we give them some uh, proper due because they were really good. They were really, really good. And, uh, and, you know, Joe Burrow is you know, really close to the top of the heap when it comes to quarterback play. Played with poise. They didn't put any real pressure on him. Um, the Joe Burrow that you saw yesterday, Damon, was nowhere close to the Joe Burrow that started this year with the calf injury. And, um, you know, it's funny. I did an interview with the with their color analyst, which we missed you, by the way, Friday. He was really, really good. I know you had a last second thing. So people are looking at that going, where's Damon on that? Cause we uh, advertised it was you and I, and then you had a, had a kid emergency you had to go to. And so we, I talked to him alone, but he's like, yeah, you know, the, the Bengals at the beginning of the year were limping and, and Joe couldn't reverse pivot everything. He only took seven snaps from under center. He took over 200 last year from under center. He couldn't reverse pivot, couldn't move, couldn't waggle, couldn't dash, couldn't sprint. Uh, and he was just basically a stationary guy in the shotgun. Well, now he's healthy. And now they were coming off a bye. And they had a great week of practice. And they rolled into San Francisco. And they beat the 49ers. And, and I think, you know, uh, 31-17 doesn't tell the story. Because in reality, that game easily, easily could have been 41-10. to 10. Zach Taylor had a great, great day as a head coach. Their coordinators did everything they needed to do. Their defense causes more turnovers than anyone really talks about. Uh, the, the Bengals are such an offensive forward presenting football team. You kind of dismiss, don't even talk about what kind of a defensive football team they are. And they were good. 
they were good when they needed to be. Um, you know, there was uh, a level of overwhelmed that did concern me, though. And, you know, there there are 49er concerns. Here's the thing. They're a good team having a bad stretch. But I believe that what we're seeing in this stretch is a little bit of the fans' favorite word, exposed. You're being exposed. <laughs> right, right. What I think is being exposed more than anything, Larry, is the value that we put in strong defensive lines that meant an awful lot around, not just to the 49ers, but to the league, has been changed a little bit. It's been changed a little bit. You, you know, the, when when Major League Baseball adopted the pitch clock and sped the game up and put the runners more in motion, faster teams were rewarded. The Arizona Diamondbacks are in the World Series, for goodness sakes. It feels like the 49ers, and they're not the only ones, but they've been caught behind the turn in the game where your defensive line really doesn't mean as much as it used to because there isn't a four-step drop in the NFL, Larry. There isn't a five-step drop. There isn't a seven-step drop, really, in the NFL these days. It is third-step, ball out, your defensive line. Lawrence Taylor couldn't get home in two-and-a-half seconds. And the ball is out two-and-a-half, 2.7 seconds, everywhere you look in this league. And the importance of the 49ers' defensive line has not only been nullified by their own underachievement, but I think a new sort of strategy in the league that is being universally embraced. So, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if they're as built for the combat that is happening in football right now as they used to be. And it feels like if we're just measuring this season based on what the defensive line has done, they should be worse than five and three. Well, when they signed Javon Hargrave, I think the th thought we all had was jailbreak on the quarterback, baby. You got Bosa and Armstead and Har. Now you're adding Hargrave. Oh my God, they're going to sack quarterbacks left and right. Um, and then Joe Burrow, you know, rolled in. I was looking at the notes, going getting ready for the 95-7 pregame with Loneal on Sunday, which, by the way, was great because Joe Kelly and Icky Woods stopped by. We had Icky doing the shuffle. Uh, over at the at the hill, I really I don't want to talk about that pregame show. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I was yeah, great freaking pregame show. Anyway, Joe Burrow, um, in just looking at some of the notes, I mean, he was came into this game releasing the ball in two point four seconds on average, third fastest time in the NFL. So if you were expecting the Niners to just you know get all kinds of sacks, it, it really probably wasn't realistic. And and you're right. I mean, I brought this up a few weeks ago and have been talking about it a little bit over the last year, which is, is it wise to make your, your defensive line the, you know, the investment of investments on your roster when it can be so easily neutralized um, by getting the ball out? And then the other question that I think it begged and in, in the follow-up is like, there's always a counter, right? So if Joe Burrow is going to get the ball out in 2.4 seconds, don't you almost have to hug up on the receivers, you know, get up on the line of scrimmage and dare them to throw it over your head. And the 49ers didn't do that. And they just allowed Joe Burrow to establish this nice, comfy, cozy rhythm underneath. And it wasn't that the Bengals were moving the ball. It was the ease with which the Bengals were moving the ball. They had three things that were at their that were, you know, they could have leaned on all day. The short passing game, which they never really had to get away from. 
Um, the run game, which, you know, Mixon came in not doing anything and he just bought, you know, best day of chunks, the year, chunks of yardage by Mixon. And then the game, the sad part about yesterday is the Bengals had a whole nother element that if the 49ers had defended it, they could have gone to, and that was the screen game. And we never really even saw them utilize the screen game with any regularity in this game because they didn't need to. If the Niners had hugged up on their receivers, if the Niners had taken away the run game and the short passing game, you were going to get a lot of the screen game, but they didn't even need to go to the screen game because they were so dominant running the ball and so easily playing pitch and catch to their bevy of great receivers with their Pro Bowl quarterback that they didn't even need the screen game. So that was the depressing part of that game was that um, the Bengals kicked their ass. I mean, absolutely kicked their ass. When it was 14-10 at halftime, the Niners were totally lucky to be within 14-10. They had a missed field goal. They had a, they a, had a turnover in the red zone. That easily could have been 24-10 uh, instead of 14-10 at half. They got thoroughly dominated in the first half of that game. So we begin with just the facts, and it's amazing that we are, you know, almost 10 minutes into the show. We have not used the name of Steve Wilkes. Believe me, we will. We will be talking about what uh, move the Niners could make to allow Steve to get out of this soft zone, which is getting shredded by elite and Kirk Cousins quarterbacks, and Kirk Cousins is pretty good. And you're about to see how good he is. His, his Achilles is torn. He's done for the year, so we'll see what Minnesota looks like now. Oh, poor Kirk Cousins, man. That's that's too bad. But look, just the facts, Larry, just the facts is how we begin, and then we'll get into the opinions of everything because people confuse opinion with fact far too often. These are just the facts. And the fact is that that 5-0 and feel-good start the dominant nature in which this season begun has completely evaporated over the last three weeks. Now, that might be even more opinion than fact, but if you've been watching, you know that that's also a fact. This is not the same team that we saw in the first five weeks of the year. It's not even close, and you can point your finger at Steve Wilkes all you want and the defense underperforming. The truth is that this is the first time since Kyle's First year back in 2017 that he's been held to 17 or fewer points in three straight games. And the thing is, that team, the 49ers in 2017, sucked. This one doesn't. So it is a little concerning that the team that began with all the 30-plus you know, point performances uh, has been stuck on 17 which, unless you're playing blackjack, is not something you want to really be stuck on there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this is an all-around deal. I mean, the Niners are struggling on both sides of the ball, um, and there's different reasons for it. But And I watched the game again last night, uh, the condensed version. Later today, I watched the All-22. I was there, so I don't. I saw a lot of the coverage down the field live. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, I mean... You know, I, they didn't have Trent Williams, but I don't want to put this on Jalen Moore. I thought Jalen Moore, for the for the most part, kind of stood up and played pretty well. But the 49er offensive line, I mean, they can't run the ball. I mean, they, you know, Brock Purdy was literally running for his life. He made a lot of plays yesterday. Obviously, he made the two crushing interceptions. The last one was the worst he's thrown thus far, in my opinion. Very Jimmy Garoppolo-esque. 
Um, Brock was not good in the fourth quarter for the second week in a row. And then it was kind of what the alarming thing, too, is after he banged his head, he kind of grabbed his head. And you kind of wonder about his his uh, his, you know, eggs or if his eggs are scrambled going forward. But, you know, we'll get to that. But Brock was bad in the fourth quarter with the turnovers. Can't have those. Those get you beat. I mean, it's as simple as that. But that was hardly like the story. I mean, the 49ers cannot run the ball. They cannot. They tried to run on this team to the edges. And when I saw in the pregame that the Bengals had three of their four starting defensive backs run sub four, uh, sub four, three, I mean, sub four, three, they got a ton of speed on the back end. I'm like, okay, so they're not going to be able to really run the outside zone to the edges. Sure enough, they tried several outside zone runs, got nowhere, nowhere. And then when you can't run to the edges, Damon, and you can't open holes between the tackles, you can't run the ball. Brock Purdy was their leading rusher. Yeah, and Um, under no circumstances should Brock Purdy be this team's leading rusher, which brings me to one of the oddest aspects of the box score as you open it up and start looking around, well, what the hell happened? You know, everyone was talking about how the Niners offense just didn't do anything. Actually, that's not true at all. The most insane fact of the day is that the 49ers averaged 8.2 yards per play, which is their most in any game since 2021. Now, it's a little skewed. It is. Because they gained 69 yards. They gained 69 yards over the last two plays of the game. Um, and, and, And we'll get to those in a little bit because I actually thought that those last two plays of the game, Larry, were the most negligent plays that Kyle Shanahan has run since becoming head coach of the 49ers. He should have taken a knee. The only thing you can do is dress your team up statistically at that point, but you're not about to win a game. You're not about to gain momentum back. All you are is doing is, is risking. Well, wait, injury. A like, wait, wait a second. Wait, no. wait a second. If you take a knee, that looks bad. I'm, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how futile it was. You keep playing the game. You keep playing the game. I do right. not take a knee, but I know what you're saying. It, it, the, yeah. I'll say this. Don't bust out the box score. Um, and talk about the yardage and all that because that's not it. The better box score to look at would be this one, or the better, uh, you know, it's the first half. It's the first half because even though there was the game also was played in the second half, that first half box tells a way more accurate story than the second half box. Oh, totally. But but it, it is amazing that 8.2 yards per play, they gained more yards per play than Cincinnati did, and it felt like Cincinnati had their way all afternoon, and the 49ers were, you know, they, they were the beneficiaries of a few big plays in between a whole bunch of plays that didn't do much. And I really did. Larry, I, there, I was angry at the end of the game, and I was like, I, I swear to God, let Brandon Ayuk tear his ACL on these two throwaway stupid fucking plays at the end of the game and then tell me that you shouldn't have taken a knee. You know, I mean, well, yeah, you didn't have to use the you could have gone, you know, well, that's the thing, though, on in an NFL game, you only have so many guys up. But I agree that you don't want to put your guys in harm's way in garbage time. But I also agree that it's a worse look to take a knee than it is to like try to air it out and throw it down the field to somebody. But I agree. Yeah. What if, what if somebody all of a sudden, you know, wrench something? Um, but yeah, it's, you got to keep trying. It looks to me, it looks way worse. If you're on your home field alumni weekend, Eddie D in the house and you're taking it on, you're taking a knee to the Bengals. 
Uh, it, it, it looks bad, but whatever. It's all, it does, it's it does all look bad, but here's the thing. Anyway. I ain't here for optics. I'm here for results. And God yeah. forbid you get a player hurt in a throwaway down. It's a throwaway down. Yeah. Anyways, um, Brock Purdy threw and ran for the most yards in his career. He also had three brutal turnovers. Um, the interceptions on back-to-back passes were not glorious, as you know. Um, but a career-high 365 passing yards. It's the most passing yards from any quarterback for the 49ers since their Super Bowl season back in 2019. He also had a career-high 57 rushing yards. And for the second week in a row, you and I are left to say incredibly ridiculous stuff like this, but it's also kind of true. Brock Purdy was actually playing very well right up until he didn't. You know, I mean, he really was. He was making anticipatory throws over the middle. He is trusting his receivers before they're even out of the break, looking at the ball. An awful lot of what you saw, Tony Romo was impressed right up until, you know, the, the, the I'm, I, let me tell you, what's his name? Jermaine Pratt. Right. Yeah. Jermaine Pratt. Good player. Good player. What an interception. I mean, a tip drill to well, him. They, that was that was incredible. Now, they, did Purdy hold the ball and cook the grenade a little bit too long? You know, when Eli Mitchell you know, he missed he, the handoff. It was it was a hand, it was a running play. Uh the linemen were downfield. He should have just threw threw it into the turf because uh, any it didn't matter who he hit. If he had made, I mean, it was a penalty. The lineman downfield, he missed the handoff, and at that point, he just should have thrown the ball into the turf. Instead, he compiled his mistake by trying to make a play on a play that was already dead. Even if he hits him, even if he hits Mitchell perfectly and Mitchell jogs in for the touchdown, it's all coming back on the penalty with the legal man downfield. So he he made a mistake there. It was a, that was a mental mistake. Um, so yeah, that, that one didn't bother me is, I mean, obviously it was a turnover in the red zone and that's bad. Um, but, they score a touchdown there. It's a tie game and it's a whole different ball game, you right. know? So, right. um, but I mean, it, that was a, that he's trying to make a play there, but he's got to know that that was just, a, that was a mental mistake. When you miss the handoff, that plays dead and the ball needs to go into the turf. And that was the mental mistake. And he's thinking, make a play, make a play, make a play. And he compounded his mistake with a, you know, a mistake that was exponentially worse. Yeah, that was a, that one really, really hurts. The next one, though, was the one that makes you go, uh oh, you know, but um, I thought the, the, the interception to Logan Wilson where, you know, um, he was going against Jennings and he thought Wilson was going to peel off. And instead, he stayed with Jennings and he threw it to him right to him. Very Jimmy Garoppolo-esque. Didn't have a count of the defenders. Uh, that that to me was the worst. The, you know, of the two, I thought that one was the worst. The worst mistake. Um, but I mean, those were two bad mistakes. So he missed the hands handoff to Mitchell, then tries to scramble uh, and throws the interception to Pratt in the red zone. Killer mistake, but it was a mental mistake. Then he makes the bad interception. You know, um, the Mike linebacker Logan Wilson. Purdy thought Wilson was going, you know, going to pass through the window, but instead he fell off into the coverage. And, you know, Juwan Jennings, you know, right next, he's basically standing right next to Juwan Jennings, and he makes the interception and it, in deep in Niner territory. One play later, they score a touchdown. I mean, crushing, crushing, awful mistakes by Purdy. He has to own them. Um, he, he had a huge hand in them losing this game. 
Uh, turnovers mean so much in the NFL. He's got five interceptions in the last three games. Um, he needs to be better. He would admit it. Kyle would admit it. Um, just no getting around it. But at the end of the day, let me just get fast forward to this. All the bitching and moaning about Brock Purdy. Okay. It, may, it probably makes some people feel better. And your solution is what? They need to run to whom? You know, I mean, he's still their best quarterback. He'll be their best quarterback when they come out of the bye. Uh, it's not like they have anybody else they can go to. He counted for 422 yards. He played pretty damn good football. He was running for his life. He made tons and tons and tons of plays, and he's clearly the best they've got. Um, and this is just the, the, the nature of, you know, people when he was rolling and riding high and playing MVP like ball, were saying, you know, we know intellectually that this can't continue and that he's going to have bumps in the road and bad days, and interceptions and losses. And they could say it so calmly and with total confidence then. But then when you actually see it, then all of a sudden it's like, he's not the guy. Get him out of there. Oh, my God. You know, the sky is falling. And in reality, you know, there's great greater quarterbacks have had worse stretches than this and everybody just needs to take a breath and realize that it's not a beeline to the top and there's going to be some rough moments and yesterday was one of those moments it really really was uh you need a healthy breakfast that that's the thing that i know i want you to get to <laughs> palmetto superfoods and try an acai bowl larry the acai bowl is taking over niner nation if you don't mind me saying more people are going to palmetto than ever before who are just dudes like you and me who don't even really know how to say acai but they're going in they're trying it and with each and every spoonful we create a new fan of the Acai Bowl. Yes, you can use that promo code. Better than 15% off now. You can just go in there and say, I'm going to take a small Acai Bowl. I listen to Damon and Larry. It's buy one, get one free. So that's the deal that is going on right now at Palmetto. Get yourself uh, something that is really delicious and just happens to be good for you along the road of being really delicious. And uh, we thank Charles and his company for being a, a sponsor here on the show. They've been wonderful partners. We're getting them great exposure. And again, every day, an ugly fat guy that would never have eaten an acai bowl eats one because of us. <laughs> Nothing better to wash away an ugly 49er loss than with a little acai bowl and a little 49er wake up. So get down to one of their many locations throughout the Bay Area, and maybe we should throw the locations on the bottom here for all of you. Um, go check it, check them out. Great product. You're going to love it. Um, don't, don't eat it because it's good for you. Eat it because it's delicious, and uh, you'll come back for more. And they're customizable. You know, that's the beautiful, beautiful part about the Acai Bowl. Uh, you know, you find you find exactly what you like and you can customize it right there and there, right there in the store. And, and you're going to you're just going to absolutely love it. And once you have one, you'll be back for more. I and guarantee let, you. Let me tell you something else about the Acai Bowl and how customizable it it is. I'll bet you that if an Acai Bowl found itself down a couple of scores late in a football game, it would start running a no-huddle offense. But Kyle Shanahan <laughs> didn't, Larry. What 
is going on with Kyle feeling the game that he's actually coaching in. This is my single biggest complaint of the entire day, the entire show, and it pissed me off yesterday. It pissed me off even more thinking about it all night long. Why are the 49ers playing without urgency? Devoid of urgency. I mean, walking in, huddling up, getting to the, walking to the line, Looking at go, 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 go. You're running out of time. You are running out of time. And if you think the Bengals are done scoring today, like they're just going to sit on that score, give you all the time to catch up with them, you obviously are not watching the game that your defense is playing. I couldn't believe the whistling around the stadium 49ers in that third, fourth quarter. But it, go. Yeah. Run a fucking play. Well, seriously, oh, no, no huddle, speed it up. You know, the, the one thing that be, is becoming abundantly clear is that the 49ers, um, you know, they have to win games on their own terms. Now, that's not totally foreign for a lot of teams. I mean, this Bengal team is is similar in that way right now. And that, you know, if you like the Bengals are a team that if they get a lead, um, and they can lean on Hubbard and Hendrickson off the edges and all that speed in the secondary, they can look better. If you can run the ball on them, which has been their problem, they haven't been able to stop the run, um, and, and they have not been able to run the ball, and you can take a lead on them, suddenly they don't quite look as good. Um, and they str- Burrow has struggled behind that offensive line, and then they become one-dimensional, and it's pass, 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 pass. But the Niners fell behind early, and the Niners, let's say it loudly for the people in the back, the Niners struggle to play from behind. The Niners are the ultimate front running football team right now. You can't, they cannot, they don't have enough speed on offense. They don't have an offensive line. You know, they have to have play action pass at their disposal or their O line can't seem to stand up. Um, they don't have quick strike ability. Um, and, and they're, you know, I mean, they're missing obviously Trent and Debo. But so what? I mean, teams, you, you, sometimes you got to play a little bit shorthanded. Um, and, and, you know, I don't have any problem with who they went to yesterday. Um, they went to Ayuk and Kittle and Ray Ray. I mean, they they didn't go to Juwan. They tried to. Uh, and then the ball was picked. But he, they used him as kind of a as a blocker. But um, when they fall behind, they don't, you know, first of all, I wanted to see hurry up. I couldn't believe they were huddling down multiple scores. What are you huddling for? Get up on the line of scrimmage, call a play, and go. Um, you got, I mean, that they were waste. They they wasted three minutes of time, crucial time. Now it wasn't going to matter because it just seemed like the Bengals, the Bengals were the better team. The, and, and you know, here's the other one on this this game that we have to mention because we mentioned it a ton in the month before. This game was set up for the Bengals to win. Say it again. This game was set up for the Bengals to win. No excuses, but the Niners are coming off the short week, traveling back from Minneapolis. Bengals had 13 days to prepare. They were sleeping in their own beds, talked to their color analysts. He said they had great practices leading into it, and they came out sharp. They came out sharp and fresh and rested and focused, and the 49ers were limping into their bye week and were banged up and hurting, and their quarterback's coming off a concussion, and, man, it showed. It absolutely showed. Uh, the Niners could not run the ball. They could not stop the run. If you looked at the numbers going into the game, the Niners should have been able to run the ball 
pretty much at will against this team, and they should have been able to stop this Cincinnati run game. Instead, Cincinnati ran and got whatever they wanted, and the Niners couldn't run, couldn't run to the edges, couldn't run between the tackles. When they did get a successful run, it was called back for a penalty. The Bengals played a much cleaner game. The Niners only made five penalties. The Bengals had none or one. Was it one? Until the roughing the passer. Yeah, one penalty. Which that, I they, they came out and played a phenomenal the game. The Niners got outplayed. The Niners got outcoached. The Niners got out executed. I mean, there's no, no, you know, there's no debating any of that. The Niners got outplayed thoroughly, top to bottom, offense, defense, uh, special teams, coaching, outplayed, outcoached. Simple as that. Totally outdone. Couldn't run the ball, couldn't stop the run. Uh, Brock Purdy was their leading rusher. Forget what the numbers say. The number don't don't throw out throw away that box score for the most part. Those numbers were padded in the fourth quarter in garbage time. Uh, the Niners missed Trent Williams. They missed Debo on offense. But let's not let's not beg you know let's not bury the lead here. The real story outside of the turnovers by Brock in the fourth quarter is the the, the 49ers defensively have real problems. Joe Burrow scrambled effectively when he needed to. The 49ers are not setting the edge on the defensive on the defensive edges. They, they do not set the edge. They miss Samson Ebukam in the worst way. They are not getting off blocks up front. Uh, the 49ers are not getting consistent pressure on the quarterback, despite investing a boatload of salary cap room in their defensive line. They're not hitting and striking opposing uh, ball carriers and receivers and tight ends with force. It's a lot of grabbing. It's a lot of arm tackling. That was one of the sloppiest tackling performances I've seen in years. And yep. it came on the heels of Two a weeks equally. Row. Yeah, exactly. Boom. Exactly. They were sloppy tackling in Minnesota. They were sloppier this week. Now, I'm a personnel guy, so I, I always look to the, the Jimmys and the Joes and not the X's and the O's. And they miss, they're missing some really key guys. They miss Samson Ebukam up front. They miss Aziz Al Shayir on that second level. Greenlaw's playing hurt. Greenlaw's missing tackles. Greenlaw. Why? Because he's hurt. Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart couldn't catch a pick, but those guys could strike you with force. And they've been replaced by safeties who grab. Um, Emmanuel, you know, one thing I'd love to see coming out of the bye. I'd like to see Jair Brown put on the, in the lineup over, over Tayshawn Gibson. And I know that's not going to be popular, and I don't think Wilkes is going to do it, but I'd like to see it. Emmanuel Mosley used to strike you as a corner in the run game off the edge. They don't have an Emmanuel Mosley. I mean, they gave up 134 yards rushing to a Bengals team that was not running the ball at all. Averages, I think, 67, 68 yards. Second worst in the NFL, only ahead of the, the Vegas Raiders uh, in terms of a rushing attack. So the they gave Bengals, up 400 total the, yards of the offense Bengals, for the second week in a row. But what, what was crazy is that when the Bengals were committed to being a one-dimensional team, they couldn't shut that down either. I mean, Joe no. Burrow completed 19 passes in a row. Do you know what that means? It means your defensive coordinator wasn't ready for the day. Pitch and, and catch. It was a bad plan. It was a bad plan. You need, and also, you know what? It was embarrassing because you got all these great Niners there, all these great You had Ronnie Lott in the building, and you're not challenging the Bengals. Get up on the line of scrimmage and challenge these guys and make them beat you down the field. 
Niners didn't even do that. They don't play any bump and run. They don't like playing man. They're in this soft zone, which good quarterbacks are born to take apart. And um, it, it happened with Cousins. It happened with Burrow even more dramatically. And Steve Wilkes for it. Look, I, you know, give give the, the Cleveland Browns, you know, their flowers. They're a really good, tough defense at home. Uh, two weeks in a row, at the very least here, Steve Wilkes' game plan going into the game was not good. Uh, it happened in the L.A. Rams game as well. You know, you got Stafford just carving you up, absolutely carving you up. And because they won, we kind of forget that. And no one looks at it, but when it goes into the mix of, were you ready to play when the coin flip landed? No, no they weren't. And they how about, how about Joe Burrow on the how about Joe Burrow on the first drive, third and long? They get Joe, they get Burrow and and the Bengals into third and long. They had every guy in their defensive line had a free shot at Burrow, and he escaped them all and made a play and kept that drive alive and moved down the field and scored a touchdown on the first drive of the game. Larry, I mean, how about that? They weren't ready game? to go. They were sloppy tackling, but even more offensive than that, there was far too much space in pass coverage, too much space. Now, their tackling improved when the urgency dialed up in the second half when they saw themselves on the verge of losing three in a row, and they got some real warriors on that defense, and those guys you know, tried to dial it up as much as they could in the second half. So the tackling was better in the second half, but it was hardly awesome. And the space that that they had was just ne- they just never got up on the line of scrimmage and said no, we're taking away the short stuff, throw it over our head. I'd rather Joe Burrow had gone up top to Jamar Chase or T Higgins three times for touchdowns than watch him just play pitch and catch. I mean, solid veteran quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrow are going to carve you up like a Thanksgiving turkey if you play soft coverage, and that's exactly what's happened the last two weeks. And you you should have known that going in, is I yeah. guess my point, Steve. Absolutely. And look, Steve Wilkes is not D'Amico Ryans. He's not Robert Sala. He is not about to put himself in position to ever be hired as a head coach in this league again. I think, and this isn't a fire, Steve Wilkes, because there's no... You, you don't pick up a new defensive coordinator in a bye week in the middle of a year. Like th- your team is on the field, folks. Purdy's not going anywhere. Kyle's not getting fired, and Steve Wilkes is probably not getting fired here. But I, dude, it's he is not state of the art. Full stop. There's well, you got to change the journeyman head coach. There's a re- no, not head coach, but there's a reason why this guy has worked for just about everybody in the NFL because everybody looks at about a year of him and goes, yeah, it's enough. That's about enough, Steve. Thank well, you very that, much for your okay, service. That, I, and I like Steve, okay? And I think Steve is a straight shooter. I got respect for Steve. Um, and I talk to him every single week. And I ask him questions every single week. And I, I, you know, but what bothered me about his resume when I saw it is how many different stops he's had in the last 10 to 12 years. There's a lot of moving around there. Value-add coaches don't have U-Haul on speed dial because they don't need it. You, you know, you, you, all organizations find a way to keep their most valuable employees. Whether right. you're talking about football, radio, anywhere, you know, you keep your most valuable employees for the well, most Well, their one radio station in particular didn't do that, Larry. But okay. well, if you can't afford them, that's one thing. But if you, <laughs> but I mean, seriously, if somebody's producing for you, 
Um, and they're like number one in afternoon drive. You keep your guys. Um, you know what I mean? You don't just say, well, we can't afford them, but there's everybody's got a budget. You got to live within a budget. I get that. But let me just say this. When you see somebody, I mean, and everybody knows this is true. I don't know what business the people in the chat are in or people watching this are in. But if you do personnel and you do hiring, do you want to see somebody who's worked in three places over the last 15 years? Or do you want to look at somebody who's worked in 14 places in the last 15 years? And when you see 14 places in 15 years, that does kind of make you pause and say, well, wait a second. This person has moved around an awful lot. Is that by choice? Is that because the message doesn't resonate after a year? Is there some flaw going on there? And I'm not, I don't know Steve well enough to say he's not this or he's not that. All we have are the results right now. And the results are they took somebody from the outside world. They didn't promote somebody from in, internally. They had Robert Solid and they promoted D'Amico internally. Um, then they D'Amico left and they didn't promote Steve internally. They went outside their organization. You know, when you go outside your organization, you there's different ideas, different approaches, different everything. And you don't know exactly what you're getting. It's a little trial. It's a little, you know, trial by fire and a little, you know, you learn as you go. Um, what we're learning right now is that the plan that they have is not good enough. The rush is not getting there. The coverage is not tight enough. Um, and the, I mean, I mean, Damon. We can talk about everything we want on the offensive side. This defense was supposed to be one of the great defenses of all time. They've given up a thousand plus yards in the last three games, a thousand. So, you know, I mean, there needs to be some deep soul searching here. And then the question is that there's some urgency this morning. Why? Because today is October 30th. And you know what that means? Tomorrow is is a Halloween. And by the way, watch or watch, you know, cl closely as you're driving around on Halloween for all those little munchkins walking around in the twilight. Uh, you know, we, 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 may, we don't want to see anybody get hit by a car, but at the same time, it's also the NFL trade deadline day. And now you got to ask the question. And I saw somebody brought it up. It's like, does yesterday's performance make John Lynch more apt to want to, to want to make a trade or less apt? It's like, are the 49ers one player away? I don't, it's hard to make that argument this morning, isn't it? And it then, is, like, but, what do you but, do but if you're John Lynch? It, they are already pot committed to the year. You can't pull out of the poker game now because three bad hands in a row. There are nine weeks of football left. The amount of this could be a great year is still very much out there for the 49ers. You know, they, this is it. They have this year as their Super Bowl window. But how much they do you want to leverage next, it? You, they you know, you only have so many picks. No, they've already leveraged it. The leverage has already happened. There's, you know, the, how much more do you want to go down? I mean, do you, here's the thing. The Niners have an older left tackle. He's great in Trent Williams. And they have uh, or kind of a replacement level right tackle in McKivitz who, um, I really like as a guy, but I mean, I think realistically, if you're the personnel czar, you have to say, well, you know what? We kind of want to keep that number one pick because the only place you can find an offensive tackle these days, for the most part, it's any good is in the draft. And you probably got to have a top 25 pick to get that player. So do you want to trade in that piece for, you know, a uh, for a trade to add to this team? And then if, if you do, you know, here's the other here, here's the other big question. 
you've all you already have uh, a lot of money invested in your defensive line. Are you going to invest more in your defensive line that can be so e- easily neutralized? Like if they traded for Montez Sweat, and I think you know there's a lot of talk. Diana Rossini says that Montez Sweat's on the market, and he's a guy that I've said they they should go after for since training camp. Um, and the talk is the Commanders want a second round pick, and that the Falcons offered their third, and there's a couple other teams that may have also have offered their third round pick. If you want Montez Sweat, and believe me, Drake, I love Drake as a guy, but he ain't getting it done. And, you know, I mean, was Randy Gregory even out there yesterday? And Nick Bosa is not getting it done. So what do you do? So, I mean, the, you, well, hold on. you need so, some edge rush, not- clearly. But, like, is another edge rusher no. exactly what you need? No. Or do you have to get a, a another corner? Or is it time to change your defensive plan? Or do you get both? Do you go for corner and Look, defensive I got, I got really bad news for the Niners. Defensive linemen aren't worth half of what you're paying them. They're not. They're not anymore. They're, the, the league is changing right in front of our eyes. So you get a corner. You get another linebacker. You get another wh- whatever. Uh, they, they need, need help, help at all three levels. They need help in their secondary, I think, more than they need it anywhere else. You go get another corner to play against Mooney Ward, who, by the way, needs to start playing an awful lot better or none of this really matters himself. Um, but he can't play coverage without committing a penalty. No, he is. He he committed, he committed like three straight penalties to start the first, the second half. I I think only got called on one of them, but it was like, it was, it was like, oh, wow, that's PI. No, oh, no call. Oh, wow. That's PI. Oh, wait, no call. Oh, there's PI. Oh, here comes the flag. I mean, he literally, he just started grabbing and grabbing and grabbing. He could be called on PI. I basically, any play in the second half I, I saw yesterday against Chase and, and, and Higgins. I mean, Oliver made a number of really, really good plays, but Oliver cannot stand up in coverage. Well, he, and here's he the doesn't thing. have the body control. They're just going after him. They're going after him. I yeah. mean, it, he, he is the weak you? link that they are going after. And so I think he's got to sit. To be honest, if it was me, Damon, what I'm doing, I mean, they also have an internal option. They got Womack, who's pretty quick. If you don't make a trade, I would say, you take Womack, you put him outside opposite Mooney, and you move Lenore inside and you sit Oliver down and you go with a little bit more athleticism and give away some size and experience in Oliver for some speed. I'm also sitting Tayshawn Gibson for Jair Brown because I need another thumper in the box. I need somebody else. I need somebody. I mean, now Gibson plays the deep middle. And so it's, you know, it's, you're more, it's more like, well, what are you going to take a funga off the field? But, I mean, they got to start getting some hitting out of their safeties. When was the last time you saw a Niners safety just smoke somebody in the open field and bring them to the ground? I mean, they missed Jimmy Ward in the worst way. Um, and you can call, you, we can complain about Joukowsky Tart's dropped pick, and he did drop it, and he's not, he had terrible ball skills. But, man, the guy ran and hit like a linebacker. They took away Ward, Aziz, and, and Tart, and Manuel Mosley and replaced them with guys who were kind of grab-and-drag tack- tacklers. And now here we are looking at this run D going, they look kind of pathetic. They look kind of weak. They don't look like the same defense that used to strike you the way they did. And it's all personnel-based, I think. I think they need to make a move to get better in their secondary, and they owe it to this year. Again, you know, football teams understand the flow of the football season better than football fans do. And three-game losing streaks are – 
are aren't good, but they're not the most uncommon thing in the history of football either. I really do think, Larry, this is a good football team having a bad stretch. I mean, the bye week is couldn't be better timed for them. It's exactly what they need. And they need to refill the tank on Christian McCaffrey, who, by the way, did not have a good game yesterday. Congratulations on his touchdown streak. We'll get to the accolades. Again, this isn't a day to hand out a lot of bouquets, but a few guys do deserve them, and we'll talk about that later. But Christian McCaffrey is phenomenal when he hits the hole. He can't make a hole for himself. He can't make a hole for himself. But a guy like, you know, J.P. Mason maybe could. Who's he? Well, I wanted to ask you. I haven't seen him in a long time. Which guy took a dump? Which guy took a dump on Kyle Shanahan's front lawn? Was it Ronnie Bell or was it Mason? Because I haven't seen either one of those guys in several weeks now, and you're dicking around with Ray Ray McLeod, who is a gadget guy, special teamers, fantastic. As your third wide receiver, you're in trouble with Ray Ray. All right, I mean, John Ray Ray. Ray Ray's they're different, Damon. Ray Ray is so much faster than Ronnie Bell, and they need more speed. I don't have a problem with Ray Ray um, at all. I think Ray Ray is doing what Ray Ray can do. I would like to see Ronnie Bell spotted a little bit more. Yeah, I don't even um, know what Ronnie Bell needs, can they do. Need more di- it's not that they – I mean, I like Ronnie Bell. Don't get, me, don't get me wrong. I really like Ronnie Bell. I think he's got a nice little future. But he's more of a possession guy. He's got great ball skills. Um, but they what they really lack right now is they lack that dynamic – they, they well, lack thing, Larry, the dynamic receiver. Five snaps either. You know what I mean? How about just a handful, a handful of plays? Maybe dial up one or two plays with him as the primary and see if it pops and see if you get him involved. Yeah, he's got great hands. He's got great ball skills. I'll say this. I watch practice all the time. Ronnie Bell can catch the ball and get two feet down as well as any 49er receiver. I mean, he's got he's he's got all he's a very refined young player, which is shocking that he's not playing to some degree because he is so refined. He's not playing because he lacks refinement. He's very refined, but they need speed. Shanahan hates rookies. He hates rookies. He does. He hates. I don't know about that. I mean, he played Burford last year as a rookie, you know, I mean, but for the most part, I mean, I I don't understand the JP Mason. JP Mason looks like a monster. Well, and and not only does does Mason look good in the rare moments we've seen him, Elijah Mitchell looks like he forgot how to play football. He is the biggest. He doesn't add a thing. He is three catches for negative. He's three runs for negative two yards. You know, every time I'm looking at, he doesn't even get the ball back to the line of scrimmage, much less actually do something beyond the line of scrimmage. Elijah Mitchell is not helping the 49ers play football at all. He doesn't mean he he's not a powerful runner who pushes the pile and their and the holes aren't there. So you've got to create a hole for him to run through. I mean, I'll tell you the the play that I really hated watching and I saw it yesterday and I'm like, did I see that right live? And then I watched it uh over again and I'm like, oh my God. DJ Reader just threw Jake Brendel back into the pile on that thir- on that short yardage play on the first drive. I mean, it's one thing to say you don't blow a guy out of the hole. It's another thing to say that your center is getting ejected, you know, off the line of scrimmage. You mean that when, film uh, when is going to look bad on one? Yeah. 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 
And then because that play doesn't work, and then you have that little gadget, use checks in motion, he takes the snap. That, that was out of necessity. That that but that didn't really work either, even though it well, no, they got the first. first down. But like for a but minute, they had to do that game because you got a quarterback with a concussion and you can't go quarterback sneak there. So I you know, I've been pushing for that period. It's just like you know, the Eagles say, I mean, that's the other thing too. The Eagles are like, hey guys. We're going, we're going for, you know, short yardage here. Everybody, hey, we're going short yardage. And then try to stop it. Ha, ha, ha. The Niners are like, let's stealth. Let's be super stealth about it. Why not just take your quarterback off the field at that point and, and go with the tush push? If you're going to do it, try, don't try to fool somebody with it. Just see if you can... You know, I mean, I, nobody wants to have anybody's feelings hurt, but Feliciano is a bigger, broader, stronger center. Maybe you put him in and you put Hughes check in and you do your own version of the tush push instead. You know, uh, here's you, the thing. You need an offensive line that moves mountains to do that. This offensive line isn't even pushing hills around. Yeah, they're not. I mean, that's, you know, you know, that's that's the challenge here because it's like, their offensive line in the interior, Burford, Banks, and Brendel, they're not opening run lanes inside. And then when you get a team like Cincinnati that has three guys who run sub four three in their secondary, you can't get to the edges. So wait a second, you can't run to the edges and you can't run between the tackles. What are you going to do? Brock Purdy's your leading rusher. I mean, Brock Purdy for three quarters was like the best player on the field for the 49ers. I mean, he made play after play after play. He ran, he, he was their leading rusher. He created, uh, he had free runners coming at him. He sidestepped them. He made, made several plays. And then, the, then it just ran out in the fourth quarter and he's got to own those horrendous turnovers for sure. And does, but you know, I'm sure there's a ton of people today who are just parking their car on the corner of Brock Purdy sucks Avenue. But, um, you got to see beyond the quarterback. I mean, that you have to be able to run the ball. Um, you can't have your quarterback being your whole running game, especially six days off of a concussion. I mean, every time he ran, I was like, are you kidding me? Your quarterback who was concussed on Monday is running through a sea of defenders. Uh, but that's how that's the sense of urgency he was playing with yesterday. He's just trying to make a play. But they could not run the ball on a Bengal defense that they should have been able to run on. I think a fair criticism of Kyle is that he just gets predictable. He got predictable, and 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 he he tries to run too much on first down when there's nothing going on. Tony Romo on the broadcast even was like, they need to go play action. They need to throw a little bit on first down. And what do you know? Three first downs in a row, they did that. They're picking up decent chunk yardage, and then it's it's right back to McCaffrey doing nothing in between the guards. And look, when 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 you basically have Kittle, Ayuk, McCaffrey, and that's it and no one else is really even involved, you become predictable. You become easier to stop. Where is Kyle Shanahan's, you know, that where, where is the, the play that's on the back of the napkin that is the, oh, fuck, never saw that before. It, he doesn't have those this year. He doesn't well, have just, this year. You know, yeah, I thought he had a beautiful middle screen last week to Dwelly where everybody thought he was going to throw it outside and he threw it to Dwelly inside and he got a nice little 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 play out of that. But yeah, I want to see a little bit more creativity, but they they lack dynamic um playmaking um on the offense right now. They lack speed. They they lack they lack uh, a big big playability. 
So that's the other thing, too. It takes long. Look how long it takes for them to drive the field. They don't have that quick strike ability. You like watch the Dolphins with Tyreek and Waddle, and you're like, wow, they can just they can just strike instantly. The Niners can't strike instantly. They have to drive and drive and drive and drive. But, you know, that was bothersome. But I'll tell you what's really been bothersome the last couple of weeks is, and I, I could have told, I, I did say it in the pregame on both games. I said, if the Vikings have success running the ball, it's going to be a long day. First play of the game, Alexander Madison for, what, 18 yards? Yeah, 18, 19 yards. Yesterday, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, the thing, and they got Chase, and they got Higgins, and the Niners have the secondary that's banged up, and Burrow, we know, throws strikes, and Burrow and Chase have this unbelievable telepathy because of their college days. And, and I'm thinking to myself, as I'm looking at the offensive profile, I'm like, if the Bengals can run Mixon with success, the Niners are going to have a really hard day at the office. Sure enough, they ran Mixon up the middle. And he was like, there was like no resistance, no resistance. Every, he's just running by guys. So the Niner run defense to me is like, uh-oh, that's the concern primary because it starts with the run, right? If you if you can't stop the run, you get nothing but the run sometimes. The Rams ran it effectively on them in week two. Um, the coverage was soft against Puka Nakua, and it was Stafford and Nakua playing pitch and catch. And that was kind of a, a, a picture of what was to come. Then they somehow got it rolling against Arizona. They crushed Dallas. Um and all of a sudden, we're all thinking, hey, you know what? This, I mean, people were like, hey, if you were going to bet, you know, the Niners would lose three games or they're going to run the table, what would you bet on? And people were like, they're going to run the table. And now here they are three weeks later, and they lose a, a, a battle royale to, the, to a really good Browns defense. And then, um, you know, lose to the Vikings, but their defense, their run defense the last couple of weeks is just unbelievable look 27 carries for 134 yards for the cincinnati bengals they were in the top two the niners were in the top two in run defense in 2021 and 2022 top two and now they're getting gashed by teams that can't even run it the the week before the niner game the the bears allowed 2.1 yards per carry to minnesota runners and then Minnesota ran for a ton of yards against the Niners. So to me, we can talk about a bunch of things, but the it starts right there. The Niners better figure out which five linemen give them and which running backs and which play calls give them the best chance to run the ball on offense. That's where this improvement starts. And they better figure out what their best alignment is on defense to stop the run. And if they don't have those players, they, they should go trade for those players because run the ball, stop the run is still uh, the, the major tenets of winning football. And everything kind of stems from that. And right now they're not doing either. Want to welcome everyone who just got in here joining us uh, as your morning goes along. 49ers wake up has officially been changed. Our name is now 49ers wake up. Uh, Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, please hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, uh, especially Larry, your vast audience, boy, come on over and, and, and uh, subscribe to Damon Bruce. Plus, I would really appreciate that. Um, 
uh, we grow, you grow, we're growing together. This is the most consumed day after 49er show on the internet. So thank you very much for choosing us. And thank you very much for choosing to patronize our sponsor, Palmetto Superfoods, a delicious acai bowl. Never thought I'd be in the acai business, but here we are. Never thought the Niners were going to lose three in a row this year, but here we are. Um, and look, all I can tell you is that it's good. It's good for you. It's delicious. You're going to like it. Your kids are going to like it. Your girlfriend, your wife is going to like it. Your grandma's going to like it. And you're going to like it. You could be the most barbecue pounding, meat eating, I don't like vegetable dude in the world. Al Michaels. You're going to like an acai bowl. You really, really will. These things are delicious. So try one and only get one from Palmetto Superfoods because they do it better than everybody. They absolutely do. A uh, bunch of locations, and it's at, it, don't eat it because it's good for you. Eat it because it's good. I mean, that's what I would say. And it's an it's a absolute perfect thing to wake up to. You don't need the greasy spoon. Go get yourself an Aussie bowl. Start eating healthy, and uh, you know you're gonna love you're gonna love it. It, it. It's it's to me, it's a phenomenal. I like it as a breakfast deal, but a lot of people love it as like almost like an after dinner snack, a midday snack. I mean, really, it's it can you can have an Aussie bowl at any point, and um, and feel great. But to me, it's awesome in the morning. Unlike the 49ers, it always works. <laughs> the Acai Bowl is good for you. Look, now, you know, we don't need to relitigate their 5-0 and start. Like, I don't think that was an illusion. And I don't think that the three straight losses is now the defining feature of this franchise either. It's a football season. It ebbs. It flows. Uh, the worst teams in football are this close to the best teams in football. Do I got that for everyone? Did everyone see that? Is that in focus? There, this is the margin in the NFL. In other sports, it's like this. In the NFL, it's like this. So, you know, yesterday, the Kansas City Chiefs went and played a, you have zero shot at any point in time in this game. You are not winning today. We all see that, and it's easy to see. Game against the Denver Broncos. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs got beaten up by the Denver Broncos. The Chiefs are better than the Denver Broncos, but it didn't matter yesterday. So it is a razor-thin margin league, and that's where coaching, that's where scheme, and that's where players making plays needs to take over. And the Niners were deficient in all three phases of players making plays. Um, I, I'll tell you, there were two specific defensive plays that just concerned me, Larry. The Joe Burrow escaping three sacks on one play, like, I, you know, you got to bring him down. You got enough talent on that defensive line to you can't have three dudes bouncing off Joe Burrow. That was bad. And the other play that I'm like, what is going on? Like, what are synapses not firing today? What is going on was when there was an offsides and like everyone kind of stopped playing. Everyone stop playing. Is there a whistle? Is this a live play? Is this is are we are we doing it? Well, Joe's rolling out. Should we chase? Yeah, let's chase him just in case this play is still happening. But like you had guys standing up with their hands on their hips instead of playing football in a live down of football. It doesn't matter if you jump off sides. The play's not over until the play's over. You go. If that's a live play, it doesn't matter if it's going to be nullified. You play the down. 
and they didn't play that down yesterday. And and that was a touchdown for the Bengals. I, I it's just so outside of the nature of this aggressive defense to see them so passive. Well, they're 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 they look. I mean, and I'm not telling Niner fans anything that they don't know because they're seeing the same game I'm seeing. They the Niner D looks gassed. I mean, it looks like they're in week 16 and they're not getting to the finish line at this rate uh fully intact. I mean, Joe Mixon the week before ran for 3.2 a carry against Seattle. The week before that he ran for 3.2 against Arizona. He ran 5.4 against the 49ers. So, I mean, we're talking about two extra yards a carry, over two yards a carry, more. Uh, he ran for 3.4 against the Rams, but he well, ran for 5.4 against the 49ers. So the Niners lean on, they used to have, um, you know, Ward and Tart and Mosley and they had hitters in their secondary, and they replaced those guys with guys with ball skills who would catch interceptions. And now they're they they're getting a few more interceptions, but it's a it's a bunch of pile observation. Everybody's standing around, and you, you can't just sit there and go, oh well, Greenlaw will make the tackle. Greenlaw's beaten up, and now you're starting to see even Dre, the great Dre Greenlaw, who strikes with force, he's now running around at sixty five percent, and he's got to play because he's there. He's the only guy they got. I mean, they, they're they not good against the run. They went after Hargrave. Hargrave's a great pass rusher. But what about first and second down against the run? So he's that's why Philly was not like, oh, we got to have Hargrave because he's not the best run defender. So then you replace him with a pass defender and you replace uh, Tart and Ward, who were run defenders, with pass defenders like Afonga and Gibson. And then you look up and say, well, we're good as long as we can stop the run on first and second down. So if Greenlaw makes these solo tackles and we can get the third and long, now we're now we're sitting chilly. We got pass rushers. We got guys in the back end who can pick off passes. We're, we're, we're good to go. Yeah, but what if they run for six or seven yards on first down? What if all of a sudden you can't stop the run? And now what if Greenlaw gets dinged up and he's not quite this all-world monster? And he can't do it by himself. And it's like right now, that's what it looks like. It looks like it's Greenlaw. Greenlaw's going to hit somebody. Warner's going to hit somebody. Everybody else is just kind of going to corral guys. Their D line, their D line is not coming off blocks. Um, their secondary, nobody's striking anybody with force. When was the last time you saw Tayshawn Gibson step into the hole and smoke a running back and have, bring the guy to the ground? Even when they do make a tackle, it's they go low and grab the guy around the ankles and he and bring him to the ground. Nobody's striking anybody. They're not hitting anybody. The only person that really hits is Dre and Warner to a degree. Those two guys will strike you. Everybody else is just kind of out there trying to collectively dr bring guys to the ground. And they just right now it's like Greenlaw's beat up. Um you know, normally he'd have 16 tackles in a game like yesterday. He wound up with eight. Why? Because he's he's beat up. The guy's you know, beat up. Look, I'm 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 not saying that Steve Wilkes has made this team a worse tackling team, but when you start playing space, of, when you start playing space instead of playing the player, 
you know, that, 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 that it, it, it makes you softer. It really does. You know, they're defending blades of grass, not their opponent. And I, they need more man-to-man. If they don't have the right people to play man-to-man, we'll go get the other corner that's going to allow you to do that before this trade deadline expires because your defensive line isn't getting home. Your linebackers are being asked to do too much, and everybody has just lost an aggressive nature about them. I mean, you can see it. You can feel it. The Niners would beat you up. They haven't, there's guys not even showering after playing this 49ers defense. Again, the Bengals gained 138 yards in the first quarter, averaging 8.6 yards per play in the first quarter. They only had one third down in the first quarter because they were first and second downing the 49ers to death. Yeah. Uh, um, So the Niners had no resistance off uh, defensively in this game. No, they got they got they got absolutely gutted. Right, Helpless. gutted Helpless. on their home field with Eddie D in the house with the great Ronnie Lott in the house. They got gutted, gutted, and it it was embarrassing. It really was. And it's like now the question is, what does Lynch do? Now, you know, to me, there's there's, you know, is Denver going to move Patrick Sertan? Is Indy going to move Kenny Moore, who's a terrific slot corner? Um, I don't know. That's kind of plan A. Plan B would be like, can can you get Jalen Johnson out of Chicago? Uh, plan C would be, is Sean Murphy bunting gettable from Rand Carthon in Tennessee? I mean, you got to you gotta help your cornerback room. Or, or do you lean on Womack and Luter? I mean, Luter's never even played. Uh, probably not. Uh, Womack is a second-year player. He's kind of small, but he definitely could cover. And then, and then up front, I mean, it's a rush and cover game in the NFL always in that order. You have to put some rush on and you got to cover behind it. So do you, can, can you trade for Montez Sweat? Are you willing to trade your number one? Because that's what it's going to take for Brian Burns or Daniil Hunter. Um, I, mean, for another I would definitely player, try to get Aziz Al-Shair back from Tennessee if I could. I can't imagine the they would trade him. Why, why would you add another defensive lineman because Ooh. right now they're not getting home and 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 they're not getting anything out of their you know their defensive their defensive front I mean Larry you can add Lawrence Taylor you can add Bruce Smith you're not getting they're not getting to a quarterback in 2.7 outside of Miles Garrett well, you're gonna need both that's what I'm saying you need both you need better coverage you need you need tighter coverage you need to challenge people at the line of scrimmage. Um, but I'll say this, that's on defense. On defense, you got to challenge people at the line of scrimmage. You probably need one better cover guy uh, to do so because Oliver just can't cover. And then I think you need another premium rusher. Now, I would trade my second-round pick to the commanders for Montez Sweat, and then I would sign him to an, a contract extension, um, even though he's a free agent at the end of the year. Now, that's the concern is that you don't want to trade your second-round pick and have Sweat walk away um at the end of the year but i think sweat is worthy of a long-term deal so i would sign sweat i would trade that second round pick jump the line um you're in your super bowl window as you said you're already invested in this year you're already far enough down this road if i'm john lynch that's the move i'm making i'm trading my you second really round want pick. To spend another 20 million a year on a not as valuable as they used to be defensive lineman I, I yeah, I think it's a rush and cover game and you gotta have you gotta have the bookends. You really do. I you think they have, to, I you think gotta have rushers. I think they need to cover. 
more than they need the run. They've got yeah, but here's the thing, thing oh, Damon. Yeah. They they have two guys in Luter and in Womack that they really like that are coming back. So there is some expectation that they might be able to, you know, bring. They have some guys that they're good. They've got some reinforcements in house there. There's no reinforcements on this defensive line coming, and Drake Jackson has been colossally disappointing. Um, and I mean, I love Drake as a guy. He's a terrific guy, but he's been hugely disappointing. Um, they don't have that second edge piece. And so, you know, and, and then, I, you know, Bosa's got to play better as well. I mean, Nick's just not getting home either. But I, to me, I mean, I, I would say try to get, try to trade for a defensive end and either get your, get that corner internally, or maybe you could trade um, like a, fifth round pick for Sean Murphy bunting. You got to have one more corner, but I don't know that the corner has to be Sertan. It could be Dante Jackson. It could be, it could be uh Sean Murphy bunting. It could be somebody, you know, here's the thing though. It doesn't and, and have to be I, a true number one. I'm going to hold us accountable. Okay. I know no the hosts usually don't do that. Four weeks ago, we're talking about, is this the most talented roster in football? It might be, it might be. I think they have seven, they have seven all pros. I think that the only real honest thing that Kyle said in yesterday's post game press conference was the answers to our problems are already sitting in the locker room. And he is well, right. That's, that. no, but that, that's, I mean, okay. He's the head coach. His job is to coach the people in the room. And so, and, and the last thing you want to be also the general well, manager. So everyone in that room, no, he's not the general manager. And I, what his, his job is though, you, you you can't. I mean, it's just like anything else. You can't. I mean, Sabian used to say this when he was the Giants' general manager: "The cavalry's not coming. Like nobody's riding in to save us. If you think we're gonna all of a sudden just invent all these new players and they're gonna come in and save us, think again." So that's the message you have to send to your locker room. You have to say, "Hey guys, I believe in you guys. We have enough talent to win in here, but at the same time." There's a reason that every national NFL reporter is reporting that John Lynch and Adam Peters are making calls all around the league. They're not oh, just they hey, they're not just like, hey, we're sitting by our phone and we're willing to do something if it makes sense. Hey, look, they I, are I, proactively dialing up other GMs around the league looking for pieces to the puzzle. So in a way, what Kyle said is a message to the locker room, but don't don't confuse the two, right? I mean, right, but both. Thing, Larry, you, you go ahead, you add Patrick Sertain, you go get fucking Deion Sanders. I don't give a shit. Your offensive line needs to play better, and that's not a, neither one of those guys play offensive line. So what I mean is the whole team needs to start playing just better across the board. They need to get better with who they've got being a better brand of whoever they are across the board right now, and that goes for the last guy on the roster, and that goes for Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa hasn't done shit this year. And you can wait, JJ Raider. It just makes me laugh. Yes, Damon, hold Larry accountable. He's the reason I eat pig in a pickle too much. It is your fault, Larry. <laughs> You're just packing on pounds. This is why we do the acai well, bowl too, because one giveth, <laughs> exactly, one's away. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's talk internally though, because you're, you're bringing up a good point. It's the internal improvement versus the external um, additions. What can they do internally with their talent to change um, change their fortunes? Now, there's two ways to look at it. Do you think that their fortunes are, are where they're at because of personnel, or do you think it's because of scheme? 
If you think it's because of scheme, then you got to have meetings about, you know, what plays to run, what coverages to run, what's your mindset. You know, uh, there's that. I think it has something to do as well with the players themselves. So I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples of changes I would make. And I love Jake Brendel, but I think I would start John Feliciano at center coming out of the bye. Feliciano is a bigger, broader, stronger, give you more push in the run game. He's a center. He's not really a guard. He can play both, but I like him better at center. And I know Brendel was a pro bowl alternate. I know he's smart and I know, but I think I would go from Brendel to Feliciano. I did not like seeing DJ reader shove Jake Brendel four yards off the line of scrimmage. And if he can do it, Fletcher Cox is going to be able to do it in week 13. And you got to have some of these wins. So I'm not blaming Jake and I love Jake. I think he's a good man and a good, a good football player. But I think I need a little bit more power at the point. And I think that's my first change is I'm going to Feliciano at center over Brendel. That would be my first change to the offensive line. I'm trying to get Trent back, obviously, as fast as possible. I think he will be back after the bye week. Hopefully you get Debo back as well. I think I've got to see either Danny Gray come back or I've got to find some other speed element to in to inject into this offense to create a little bit more room so i gotta see something i gotta see something at wide receiver that's a little bit different a little bit more dynamic i need hey, a dynamic what it might be time to do because again who, who are you who are you trading for you know w- willie sneed got called up from the practice squad i i don't even think he needed to wash his jock strap when the day was over he did you know unless he broke a sweat during warm-ups i don't think he, i don't even know if he played but um it might be time to put Christian McCaffrey in the slot. That that was that you're, you're reading my mind. That was my next move is I'm, I, I wouldn't mind if I can't find uh, that speed receiver, Damon bingo. I'm doing that. I'm flexing out McCaffrey and I'm putting Mason in the backfield. I want to see JP Mason. He's two thirty. He's powerful. Yeah. He may put it on the carpet every now and then, but, um, He's too talented. He's too big, too fast, too talented. Um, so that would be those would be my changes. I'm I'm Feliciano for Brendel, flexing out, you know, looking for more dynamic playmakers on the perimeter. If I can't find them, I'll move McCaffrey out there, but I'm getting JP Mason on the field. Those are my offensive adjustments. Well, and I, I do think that there is there is a correlation in this three-game losing streak, and it's basically the three games that neither Trent Williams nor Debo played in. I mean, Debo was out of that Cincinnati game so early, you can just make the argument he missed that game too, almost the entire thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, his you biggest mean, You mean the uh, Minnesota on, game? No, no, no. Uh, when when Debo, went, Debo went into the blue tent in Cincinnati and hasn't come uh, out since. Cleveland, you mean? Cleveland. Yeah, no, Cleveland. Sorry, I'm getting my Ohio C's mixed up. I, sorry <laughs> about that. Yeah, when when they were done playing Canton, Larry. Um, yeah. But uh, look, it, yeah. So they've missed Debo the last few weeks. So obviously Debo is a dynamic player in this offense. So you got him coming back. You got you got Trent. But I would go with Feliciano. And I know I'm not putting it on. But I'm not blaming it all on Brendel. But the one guy that I do have, or if I'm if you want to stick with Brendel. Maybe I'm pulling Burford and I'm pulling Feliciano at at at, uh, at right guard um, because Burford's having a, the darndest time, you know, getting any push and not having penalties. 
but I've got to I've got to improve my offensive line somehow, some way. And they've got some guys there. And I think I would I think I got to take a look at him. I think I got to take a look at him. Feliciano started all of last year with the New York Giants. He can start um, and he can start at right guard or he can start at center. But he's a big, broad, physical guy. And I would I, I think he might give you a little bit more pop. It might not be the answer, but I think it's worth trying. And then on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think they badly need another another linebacker. They either got to trust their young backers to get out there and play. They can't, I mean, right now it's like, you know, Greenlaw is just getting more and more and more dinged every single week. They got it. He's got to have some help against the run. And to me, I got to find a way to get Jair Brown on the field. He's too young, too physical, too. Um, you know, he's just too physical to be he's on the sidelines. Larry, he's got ball skills. Yeah. He, and I, and so I, I got to see that I got to either see looter or Womack and I got to sit Oliver or I got to find a, a, a slot corner. If it was me, I would be focusing on the commanders for Montez sweat and the Colts for Kenny Moore. I think Kenny Moore is a really top-tier slot corner. I mean, look what look what the Eagles did. They had a good safety in Edmonds, and they moved him for a great safety in Bayard. You've got a, a decent player in Oliver. You need to get a great player. You, you know, what nobody ever talks about is that Emmanuel Mosley, even though he was hurt, was a great freaking player, and he was a striker in the, off the edges, um, very physical on the edge against the run. And right now it's like they, they lack some physicality and speed on the, on the perimeter on both sides of the ball. And you got, you, you, you lack some striking ability. I need some guys who are, who are willing to strike, you know, right now you're not getting, you don't stop the run because you want to, and you don't stop the run because you know what, we're going to get a bunch of guys in a, you know, around the ball, but they're getting a bunch of guys around the ball, but nobody's striking anybody with any force. When was the last time you saw the Niners have a woo hit where it's like, oh, man, did you see that hit? The only guy who can provide that right now is Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Everybody else is like. Right. And every single every other one from Dre is a flag. So, you know, I mean, uh, it's uh, to me, there's a lot more than needing a woo hit. They need more points. And this is well, where yeah. this yeah, got to have where, more points. Yeah, and, and this is okay. So you think everybody's stressed out right now? Three red in a zone row turnovers have to end. You know, they, they're turning it over too much in the red zone right now. Larry, they got a bye week. They're going to have a clear rest advantage over the Jaguars. They're going to, they're, if they go to Jacksonville and they lose with 14 days to get ready for that game, with Kyle having 14 days to dial up everything that he has in his power to get an offense going and cooking. Um, and you know, let's, let's not pretend that Kyle is, you know, woke up and is now bad at all of this. He's not bad at all of this, but three weeks in a row have been uninspired. They've got a rest advantage, which we all saw absolutely played into the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals. Zach Taylor destroyed Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes yesterday, destroyed them. He, whatever, whatever Kyle's plan was, Zach Taylor had a better one. And he had more time to put it together, you know, short week, long week. It was, it was, it, it wasn't set up to be a good day for the 49ers and it wasn't now they are going to be set up to have a good day in Jacksonville, but guess what kids Jaguars can play. Yeah. 
they can I mean, really play. Have you seen their defense with the uh, Alicon and and Devin Lloyd and Josh Allen and those guys? I mean, they just they just went to Pittsburgh and slapped the Steelers around um, and held the Steelers to ten points. What if so, Larry? It might be the entire year in one game. That's how big this Jacksonville game is, because Jacksonville six and two. Jacksonville maybe going to the Super Bowl. Let's say they lose to Jacksonville. Well, then you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are no pushover. They're not great, but they're no pushover. And then you get into your hardest three-game stretch that you're going to find anywhere. Seattle, Philadelphia, Seattle. And, you know, I mean, they could go one and four in that stretch if they don't get their heads out of their asses. And if they go one and four in that stretch... It's good night, Irene. You're not going to the playoffs. You're not who you're not who you thought you were. You're this it, like everything goes wrong and the snowball starts starts rolling downhill quickly. They need that Jacksonville game as much as they needed that Minnesota Vikings game. Because the Minnesota Vikings game, had they handled their business in a very winnable scenario, would have got them six and two instead of five and three, with the worst feeling five and three has ever produced after eight NFL games. So um, I'm a big believer in look good, feel good, play good. When you have every advantage coming out of a bye week, if they go and lose in Jacksonville, the amount of holy shit this isn't working out is going to be as tall as Mount Everest. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the offense for a second. The Niners began the year by scoring 30 points in each of the first three games. Over the past three weeks, they've scored 17 points in each game. Part of it's due to red zone turnovers. They have to eradicate red zone turnovers. No doubt about that. But I agree with George Kittle, who said in the locker room yesterday that they need to run the ball more and they need to run the ball better. And they need to run uh, the ball with someone other than just Christian McCaffrey. Right. And I think they, they you know, they've got explosive players in, in McCaffrey and they've got some explosive players in Debo. They got to get those guys in the football field. But they also have to run the ball more. Um, you're not going to win dropping back to pass all day. Um, you know, with with Brock Purdy, he's a he's going to be he's a play action pass type quarterback. You have to have a run game, and then you got to be able to play action pass off of that. Um, you're not going to just be able to say here, Brock. You know, Brock accounted for 422 of their yards yesterday. 422 yards. Six days after a concussion, they're by, leaning too much on Brock Purdy here. By they the way, can't I just lean looked, that I'm much sorry. on Brock Purdy. I'm sorry, I just looked into the chat for a, a second. There, Jaguars are on the bye too. Are they? Jaguars are going to have a bye week this week too. I'll check that. Let me check that. Is that right? Because I, I I need to be totally honest with you. Unless the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing in front of me and on my television, I really don't think about them. I'm not hunting the Jaguars schedule, but they're coming yeah, up. They, yeah, two. they have the week nine bye. Yep. Oh, not good. Yeah, yeah. Not good, Larry. Officially not good. Well, and and Trevor Lawrence is playing well. I mean, I mean, I don't know if you have you how much you watched of the the Jaguars recently, he's outstanding. but Trevor Lawrence is is coming into his own. Um he's playing well. He just went 24 of 32 for 292 against the Steeler defense in Heinz Field. Travis they got a ton Etienne they got a ton play. of speed. Etienne's got a lot of speed. Lawrence himself can run. Evan Ingram is a burner at tight end. They got Calvin Ridley. They got Christian Kirk. I mean, you're talking about a team that has good speed and some playmakers on their front seven. So 
yeah, that there is no easy games really on the horizon, but I think to get the offense going, the, you know, you've got to start run committing to the run and getting the run game going. And that means improving your line and figure and, and, and maybe injecting another back in there. And why not inject uh, JP Mason? He's fresh. He's two thirty. Um, he delivers uh, some heft. He can move the pot right now. You're not opening holes. So, why, if you're opening holes, then you want to go with Elijah Mitchell because he can pick the right hole and scoot through. Okay, fine. But if you're not opening holes and they're not, don't you need a back who's 230 to push the pile a little bit? I mean, you run JP Mason at the pile, he's going to push the pile. So I'd like to see Mason get some touches. I'd like to see, you know, a bigger, more physical interior with Feliciano. Um, you know, I, I, I want to see them run the ball and commit to the run. I mean, they need to start running the football better. If they start running the football better, and then you can get back to Brock doing play action pass off of that, and and then I think you've got, you know, a little bit more offensive momentum. Um, just having Brock drop back to pass, I mean, yesterday, I mean, literally the uh, Bengals are sending free rushers at him. It was amazing that the Niners were in that game as long as they were. They got dominated on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball by the Bengals. And they still Brock found a way through three quarters to keep them in that game. Now he threw, he threw two disaster picks um, as the second one, especially that obviously had a huge impact in them losing, but he also was going to be the reason they won. So let's not forget that. Let's not forget what he did in the first three quarters because he had a disaster fourth quarter. And by the way, these people that will sit there and tell you this has never happened before. Tom Brady in his second year took four losses in a row and threw seven picks in those four losses. I'm not saying this guy's Tom Brady, but let's all pump the brakes on the, you know, Brock ain't him. He ain't the guy. Okay. Even if you were right, who is the guy? It's not Trey Lance. He's gone. It's not Sam Darnold. It's not Brandon Allen. So what are you saying? Are you saying that they don't that they they have no quarterback and they and and they have to go start fresh and go look for a new guy? Personally, I think that might be a little knee jerk. I think Brock is clearly the best quarterback they do have. I think this bumps in the road were were inevitable. They were going to come. I mean, this guy this guy has played some incredible football. Now, the all the talk about him being MVP of the league, okay. That, that, that well, was people, people are, getting excited. You know, people are such ass kissers and they're just looking for a new name to talk about. And the way here's the thing, the way that we have, you know, just hosts looking for attention, dominating conversations. It's absurd to think that Brock Purdy was about to be the MVP of the NFL. It was fucking but out it's also, it, it, he but, is their best option. Can we all agree on that? Oh, there's no doubt about that. There, to me, that's not even worth addressing. He's a starting NFL and quarterback. And then all of a sudden, he, you can't go from this guy was, wow, they found this guy in the seventh round to now this guy has to play perfect football for them to win. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. I mean, they're not running the ball. They're not stopping the run. They are a sieve on defense. If they had won yesterday um, and Brock had played, you know, four awesome quarters, um, he would have been the reason number one, two, and three that they won the game. He's played incredible 
in his start so far in his career. He plays poorly in the fourth quarter of, you know, a couple games in a row, and now people are just out there celebrating. He's terrible. He's this. He accounted for 422 yards and was running for his life. Uh, this offensive line's not doing their job. This run game can't get it done. This D-line is not getting home. This secondary's not covering anybody. None of those things have anything to do with Brock Purdy. I'm not saying he what doesn't deserve blame for those picks. He does, and will take it and wear it, um, and he's not running from it. But let's not pretend that they have better options. They're just not going to. They well, don't. We also have an overzealous, overinvested, trying to tell you this guy can't play. So the minute he makes a mistake, the knives come out much more than the pom-poms ever came out. When he, Look at it this way. Brock Purdy started his career essentially devoid of a learning curve. He was really, 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 really good right out of the gate. And that still wasn't good enough for a certain segment of 49ers fans. No, he was playing great experience. Like he's been in the league several years. He yesterday, he started his 17th game, Larry. So one season of football with a modern 17 game schedule is all Brock Purdy has started. Oh, and he's already also won two postseason games, but that's well, not people- good enough for anyone. Now, let me, let me just tell you this right now. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, his rookie year, his first 16 games, he threw 28 interceptions, <laughs> right? Peyton Manning threw 28 interceptions. You got a whole bunch of people who don't understand a, how hard the game is B NFL history, learning curves, growing pains. Like you all thought that Trey Lance was going to be selected. And because he went so high in the draft, you are on your knees, glory holing the guy, double hand job, blow jobs for a guy who hadn't done nothing, 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 because you really like where he was drafted. Well, you didn't like where Brock was drafted from. And as he is proving so early in his career that he is cut out for the job, it's still not good enough. It's well, still it's, not it's, good enough. I mean, I believe me, the, the interceptions they threw yesterday absolutely had a huge hand in them losing. I, if you think I'm not, if you think I'm making excuses for him, I'm not. And he's not, he's not the kind of guy that makes excuses for himself. So Nobody's making excuses for anybody. Damon's comparing Brock to Peyton Manning. No, I am not comparing Brock to Peyton Manning. <laughs> no, but you didn't even know that Peyton Manning had 28 touchdowns in uh, 28 interceptions in his rookie year. 28 interceptions is more than, he turned it over five times over a three-game stretch. But what's the solution? I mean, you're, what are you – okay, you're right. People would say, you know, he's turned it over five times over a three-game stretch. Okay, you're right. And what's right. – you got you got a better – you know, anybody can de- de- demolish the kitchen. <laughs> you know, somebody takes a, a carpenter to, you know, build it up. Um, you know, anybody can, can, can tear somebody down. It's hard to have a better, you know, people want guys fired, but they, you know, Shanahan's got to be fired. Okay. Well, who do you got? Well, I don't know if I got, well, he also just got an extension. So why don't you just go howl at the moon? Cause that ain't happening. <laughs> this quarterback's not good enough. And I told you, and it's like, you know what? Just everybody pump the brakes, pump the brakes. The reality is he's had two bad fourth quarters in a row. Um, he had completed 84% of his passes in that Minnesota game going to the fourth quarter. 
in this game, he was the reason they were still in it going to the fourth quarter. And then he threw two bad picks career and- high 165 passing yards. The most of any Niner quarterback since 2019, a career high 57 rushing yards. Now, if you want to say 69 of those yards were total Fugazi last two plays of the game, you're right. You're, you sure. know, some but, of those yards are bogus, right? Some but, of those yards are bogus, but they're still those yards. They happened. Yeah. But so, I'm, what I'm saying is I think they really have a guy. I think they've got a guy that they can go with going forward. But he can't necessarily do it all himself. And you got to have some O line and you got to have some running game. You got to have some defense. And right now, the equation, you know, Brian Billick said it to Fitz and Brooks years ago. And I at least love those segments. And he said, you know what? The thing that's so hard to evaluate in football, it's evaluating the quarterback versus what's going on around the quarterback. So when great things are happening around the quarterback, the quarterback looks awesome. And when bad things are going on around the quarterback, the quarterback looks bad. And then it's like, is the quarterback bad or is or is the what's going on around him eroding? Well, I mean, there's no doubt uh, the 49ers the last couple of weeks, you know, Brock, obviously turnovers. He's got to eradicate them, especially in the fourth quarter. But they're not running the ball. They're not stopping the run. That's where it all starts. They're getting beat on the line of scrimmage. Nick Bosa is getting paid a boatload of money. He's not doing Jack. Um, and, and don't tell me, and believe me, I was on the binoculars up in, in the, in the uh, press box yesterday. Don't tell me, well, you know, he's getting doubled bullshit. He's not getting doubled. I've watched him every play. He's not getting doubled. He's, he's not, not getting over games. He's not getting home. He's not getting home. Drake Jackson's a great guy. He's not getting anything done. Um, this coverage on the back end is soft, really soft. And when you have soft coverage and you go up against, um, a team like Dallas, that's, that's, you know, really impatient. Uh, they, they don't know how to take advantage of it, but when you go up against Kirk cousins and you got soft coverage, he carves you up. It's just like, boom, 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 boom. Stafford you go up against Joe Burrow. Boom, 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 boom. Right. You know, it's, that's what happens. So that's what we're seeing. And it's like, we can get all yelling, yelling, scream about Brock and this, and Brock's not the guy and this and that. And he may not be the guy, but he's the best guy they got for sure. And he's played well in, in, in six quarters and played poorly in two over the last two games. Here's the thing. So, Your, if I can quote Gene Hackman from Hoosiers, your team is on the floor. This is your team. You're not changing defensive coordinators here at the bye. Steve Wilkes is not about to be fired. Um, you know, and 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 if you were to do that, who's his replacement? Brock Purdy isn't going anywhere. Brock Purdy without injury is going to be the 49ers quarterback for the next six to eight years. So buckle the fuck up and get ready for the ride, folks. That's what's going to happen. Um, and and also let's look at what we saw yesterday, Damon. You know, um, the players who are making the big cash aren't performing right now. Yep. And the quarterback turned the ball over in the fourth quarter and everybody can see that, but man, the Niners are banged up badly, badly need this buy. And the Bengals showed up rested and hungry and they out executed the 49ers. And then when you look at the Niners, I mean, that Cleveland game, there were too many penalties. That's really what cost them that game. Too many penalties in that game, and they still almost won if Moody makes the kick. Um, they almost won in Minnesota, and they couldn't stop the run, and really the coverage was soft all night. They got absolutely 
carved up on third down by the veteran Kirk Cousins. And then yesterday, I mean, you know, they, 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 Cincinnati had like three more levels of, of things they could have done. They never even had to get to because they were so proficient at, you know, eight burrow running, burrow throwing short and mixing running. They never even had to get to the screen game. The truth of the matter is the Niners are not defending that screen game worth a damn. They're not tackling their fundamentals on the screen game are awful. They're not finding the football. And yesterday, we never even got to see it more than a couple times because uh, Cincinnati didn't need to do it. Look, so it that's really the other thing that's coming. It's like even if they stop the run, even if they get the run game going on offense, they can't defend the screen pass either. So Wilkes has got a lot on his plate. Some of it is is um, scheme. A lot of it, though, is personnel. And I do think they probably do need an infusion of a couple players at the deadline. And they probably need to make a couple of adjustments with some of the personnel that they have. And let's see what it looks like in Jacksonville in a couple of weeks. But I'll say this, you know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different results. You just can't keep doing the same thing. You can't just, we're going to send four and we're going to play soft coverage and we're going to, we're going to buck into the line behind holes that are not open. And then we're just going to put it all on Brock on third down and cross our fingers. It all works. It's not the way this thing works, man. It's a team sport and you're going to have to improve in all these different facets. Um, if you're going to have success, if you wanted to just pedestrian explain away the three game losing streak, you could just say it's been the kicks and the picks. They miss kicks in Cleveland and then picks in Minnesota and her and, and penalties in Cleveland. Were there were there twelve penalties or some sixteen penalties or some ridiculous number? Larry, the word penalty doesn't rhyme with kicks and picks, so you know, <laughs> kicks and picks and let me have it. Flags, kicks, kicks and picks and stepping on dicks. That's you know, <laughs> uh, but look, it it's it's easy to see why they've lost these last three games. But if you really get into it. It is both of these lines. This offensive line has been a big disappointment, Huge. but it doesn't have nearly the the marquee positioning that this defensive line has. And right. I think there is an argument to be made that right now the 49ers defensive line is the single most overpaid, underproducing unit in football. Fire Kaserik. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> He's got to go. Again. The wide nine is wide. It doesn't work. It's not trading uh, Bosa. I'm not trading Bosa. <laughs> that is, you know. A guy, a guy came up to me yesterday on the, uh, you know, some, I was on the, on the, uh, on the, uh, in the press box doing the uh, stream at the end of the night. And a guy walks up to me and hands me a, a piece of paper that has his notes on it. It's like trade Nick Bosa for two number. It's like, you gotta be kidding me. You're going to, I mean, seriously, I mean, you took time to take a pen out and write that down and walk that over to me, trade Nick Bosa. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Who wrote that? <laughs> Just some guy on the mess on the, in the press box. I think he was like a, a press box helper and he's like trade Nick Bosa while they can get picks for him. And dude, they're not trading Nick Bosa. All right. That's not the answer, but it's, it's people, you know, I'll say this. Niner fans are passionate and they, they got a taste of the five and zero, and they were thinking, "Oh my God, this is the year! This is the year!" Now they've lost three in a row. They got some real problems. They have to make some adjustments. We've outlined a few of them, um, and let's see what happens. I mean, I would say this: the next twenty four hours are vitally important, though, because 
Uh, you, 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 they, it's not just internal. They, they have to get, they, you know, it's a Russian cover game. Their rush is not good enough. Their coverage is not good enough. So you can cross your fingers and hope that it's better in two weeks, or you can go out and get some reinforcements. Hit Billy that like button, hit I, that I, subscribe button, hit that notify button. You don't want to miss a thing that Larry and I are doing independently of each other, together with each other. I think we got this team covered pretty darn well. I will say that 49er fans are great. They are passionate. There is a 15% uh, of Niner fans who are among the dumbest, least educated, stupidest fucking fans I've ever dealt with in my life. They're bordering on Raider fan delusion. Look at this and one. Season is over. With- Fire Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, uh, yeah, poop emoji. That means you shouldn't even go to him. His name is what, and he uses the poop emoji. That means you shouldn't give him the time of day. But what we need to do is give the time of day to, uh, I know that there's a lot of super chats, Larry, that you've got already starting. Yes, queued a bunch. Up. Six, 15, 16, 17. Let's get a bunch in, here. Let's get into those as we uh, start approaching 10 o'clock here. All right. Roberto Davis. Roberto, good morning. He says, Wilkes' defense has clearly been solved. Trash. Um, I will agree with that. He is he, he is getting beaten, beaten in first quarters way too routinely. Like, it's one thing to come out, see the game, and then have to make an adjustment. It's another thing to just be unprepared for what the job was in the first place. And I've seen that way too often now from Steve Wilkes. It makes me think he's not a good coach. When he's watching film, getting ready for a game, he really doesn't know where his eyes should be. I, Again, he knows more about football than I ever will. He's been in the league so long. But uh, there is a massive regression going on in real time on his side of the coach's room, and it can't be denied. The one thing that bothers me the most... And it, and this is the and maybe I've got the over machismo gene, but the Niners don't. The Niners have lost their swagger on defense. Last year, every team that they played lost the next week. Why? Because they pounded every team that they played with physicality. Now it's Greenlaw or Warner, and everybody else is just standing around. It's just guys standing around. Um, hit somebody. And if the guys that are out there don't want to hit somebody, then get new guys. But I want to see somebody starched. Um, I mean, they got the right GM. John Lynch knows how to hit somebody. Go, John, go find somebody who wants to hit somebody. I mean, they don't hit anybody. They're not hitting. They haven't really hit anybody all year outside of Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Nobody hits anybody. Hit somebody. I want to see somebody. I want to see somebody fold. That they've lost their swagger on defense. They really miss Aziz Al Shair, who's piling up big, big tackles in Tennessee. Should have signed Aziz. You you invented Aziz, and he's fast and physical. He loved to hit. Man, they that was a mistake letting him get out. Atlanta says. Uh, you know who ain't the guy is Steve Wilkes. It's the buy. Can we replace this man with someone that has experience with the wide nine, please? Well, no. I, I'll say this. I, I don't know what's going to happen on that front. I really don't. I couldn't. I don't know if Steve can adjust or if Steve can't adjust, but adjustments need to be made. Look, so all I, I can tell you is that. that. I like Steve personally, but I don't know. Uh, they something has to change. Well, I'm not, gonna be, the last thing I'm going to do, right? 
I mean, I'll, it, I'll say this. It, we've been doing this a long time. I, I the last thing I'm going to do is sit here and call for Steve Wilkes's job. You want to do that? You do that. I'm not going to do that. But something has to change with the 49er defense. They cannot keep running the same group out there, doing the same things, and hoping for better results. It ain't going to work. Has Has Kyle ever put a coach in the doghouse? Because Steve is as not getting as close to a coaching doghouse as any player should have ever been. I mean, Steve Wilkes might be the Dante Pettis of coordinators. You know, well, I'll say this, Damon. We talked about this with O'Neill yesterday. Yesterday was going to be a referendum on Steve Wilkes's defense because he got called out in the media by the head coach the week prior. And if that was a referendum on on Steve Wilkes as a coordinator, that ain't good. And maybe he does get fired this week, and maybe they just say, "Kasurik, you're fucking it now." You know, it, it, I I don't know. I don't but know. I'd I don't know. Surprised. And then what about here's the other one that came up a bunch. And I heard this by a few different Niner people yesterday. There's people that are taking issue with the fact that he, the communication from Fred Warner to Wilkes has to go through Daryl Tapp and that Steve is not on the sideline and isn't rallying his troops on the sideline, that he, that he prefers to be up in the booth and that that's the vantage point that he's comfortable with and that they feel that there's some kind of a disconnect in the communication uh, line between the players and Steve, because Steve is up there in the booth and he's got to operate on the headsets to, you know, through, through Warner or through tap or, you know, that there's some look, this is disconnect between Steve and the players. If if there is an actual tangible coaches are discussing it, communication issue, then yes, maybe something has to be done. Truth is, I wouldn't give a fuck if Steve Wilkes were calling in defensive plays from a beach in Aruba. <laughs> I don't care where he is. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's all that matters. I was joking with Dan Coach Emilio in the postgame show because Dan's like, I'm like, Dan, you should be the defensive coordinator. You could call the uh, plays from, uh, you know, Chandler, Arizona or wherever, wherever you live. Didn't uh, Terry Donahue, uh, wasn't he like the general manager from like Newport Beach? Yeah, he lived in Los Angeles. He didn't even, he, he didn't even, he, he didn't even know where SFO was. He came into the town so infrequently. Put on his moccasins and walked down to the, you know, oh, ridiculous. David E says Lynch should get involved with the defensive game plan. Also, would it be possible to promote someone to co-defensive coordinator? I mean, at that point, you just fire your defensive coordinator and you, you do that. But here's the thing. Lynch has to be. Well, I don't know about Lynch, but Shanahan's got to be involved in this defensive game. play. He's the head coach. I mean, that's the thing. You can complain about Steve Wilkes all you want. Kyle, this is your show. This is your show. So it all it's, you know, that zero blitz in, in uh, uh, last week, that zero blitz is on Kyle. He could have called the timeout. Did he hear that play go in? Did he know that that was going to happen and he still let it happen? You know, you can't be red alert after the fact. You got to be red alert. This is a bad idea before it happens. That's why you're the head coach. What if they do something super dramatic? And, and you know, I mean, that, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do, if they do anything at all. But they, they've, they've got it. I mean, they can't just do nothing. They either have to change out the scheme, change out the personnel. Ronnie Lott. You bring in Joe <laughs> Montana. He's your new offensive coordinator. Call Wade Phillips. Get him off the ranch. 
I wonder, though, if Kyle is the kind of head coach that would prefer that the defensive coach have total and utter autonomy and control over the defense and that you're almost like the, you know, you're like the defensive head coach. Well, then you should have hired Jim Schwartz or you should have hired Vic Fangio. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But the thing is, Fangio probably wanted to switch the scheme. Roberto Davis is going cheap on the O-line and defensive backfield is biting them in the as. Not the ass, but the as. Well, I'll say this. They do need to, um, you know, you can get mad at the line of scrimmage, but really the money's been spent, as Damon pointed out before, on the D-line. The O-line's getting by on the cheap. So, um, you know, they probably do need a more sizable investment in their offensive line going forward in future years. I didn't I just don't like I didn't like saying goodbye to Jimmy Ward because Jimmy Ward was a warrior and you replaced him with a guy who's a who's you know a nice coverage player, he's a decent player, but he's not a warrior. And I just feel like they've lost some of their they've lost some of their defensive swagger. They've lost some of that thump. They don't they don't thump you anymore. Um Giants Niners fan. Niners will be lucky to get the three seed. Jags, Bucks, Seattle twice, Eagles out of the bye. Good luck with that without significant changes. By the um, way, so here's I the, agree with the, that. Only, the only guarantee I have for you is they're definitely losing to the Philadelphia Eagles. Definitely. Well, I don't I, I can't say anything. No, but because you're, the, the Eagles look like they thoroughly outclassed them. I'll say well, that right that's now. The, thing. the Eagles across their offensive line and defensive line are destroying teams. Oh, that's yeah. and and that's the best just, way to beat the Niners. So yeah. uh, they're in a lot now, of trouble going in that Philadelphia game. And the Eagles are playing a different sport. They get to third. They're thinking four downs and thinking tush push on everything that's like fourth and three and less. The Niners are not doing that. And when they do get to, they, the Niners take some three three attempts to make a yard in short yardage. The Eagles can get two and a half to three yards, and every short yardage play they have changes the whole dynamic of the play calling. 69ers says not making the playoffs. God, this team is awful. They were 5-0 and three weeks ago. Unbelievable. Look at it this way. They're two games off the Eagles' pace now for best record, home field throughout. I think we can kind of wave goodbye to that. They're behind Seattle. Seattle is first place in the NFC West right now. Let's not overreact, though. The Eagles did lose to the Jets, what, two weeks ago, and Jalen Hurts threw three picks. So it's the way you play, the day you play. Dude, the Jets are nasty defensively, man. They they really are. Like Robert Sala, you you know what the Jets really need? The Jets would be a tough out. If they had a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, maybe I'm Robert curious. Sala gets fired and then come comes back. Dude, it, it, uh, they the Jets really got screwed out of what could have been a, a magical season for them with Aaron Rodgers, you know, having more torn ACLs or excuse me Achilles than completions. They they got screwed in that moment. That that was really unfortunate and might have changed NFL modern you know history like the the jets could have won a super bowl with aaron Rodgers as their quarterback i've watched enough of their defense to know that that is the the niners wished they had the jets defense Look at it, that should the niners also you know have learned a lesson from what we've seen the two veteran quarterbacks that have been most rumored to be on their wish list kirk cousins and aaron Rodgers, both done for the year with achilles tears 
It's a young man's game, man. It's a young man's game. You better have mobility. You better have, you better have the ability to escape this rush. You better have some mobility um, to get away from it. Jalen Legrant says defense is the problem, not built to win from behind. Yeah, they're not built to win from behind. They're not. The 49er offensive line cannot stand up. The Niners have to win their way. It's not like, you know, that's the thing. How, when you're really a great team, you can win in, a, in a, an assortment of ways. You can win uh, coming from behind. You can win with the lead. What are they, like 0 for 38 or something like that in the fourth quarter when they're trailing by four or five points under Shanahan? Isn't that bad? Come is, from it, behind. is it seriously 0 for 30? It can't be. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Whole, oh, I mean, somebody, if they have the stats, like 0 and 38. The Niners go to the fourth quarter and they're losing. They're losing. They're losing the game. Well, and, that, the, and the I mean, Niners don't have that vertical stretch ability. They don't have the quick strike ability. Um, I to me, they they lack some they lack some some power on their offensive line. They lack some dynamic um, a dynamic element to their weapons. That's what I see offensively. Defensively, they they lack a second bookend rusher to Bosa, and they lack. They lack, I think, uh, the kinds of athletes that can play man-to-man. Here's the thing. They have to play a soft zone, They're lacking and that only works rusher. if you have a lead. They're lacking an edge rusher with Nick Bosa. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the that's the problem. He, I figured Nick Bosa's going to get it going at some point, right? He had 18 and a half sacks last year. Right, yeah. No, he, but, but his the, the holdout hurt him. The holdout hurt him. But we're deep enough into this season to where that can't be the excuse any longer. Just <laughs> cannot be. Look at this one. Jason Lutz, focus on the positives. Mitch Wisnowski looks like an all pro. Hey, he's really good. I'll tell you, the, the 49ers are either scoring or they're turning the ball over. So we, we need more of Mitch. We need more punts. Here's the thing. I'm going to go order my Wisnowski jersey right now. Has anyone ever rocked a punter jersey? Can I get a Wisnowski jersey? In the history of the NFL, has everyone has anyone ever rocked a punter's jersey? Has sure. anyone, oh yeah, there's a there was people walking around with Ray Guy jerseys back in the day, a Donald Igwe Buike jersey just for old times' sake. <laughs> uh, Stephen Draper is Bosa truly one of the bookends? Yeah, I mean Bosa, very disappointing, very disappointing. Um, Jordan Matthews, this is what Kyle gets for not investing in the offensive line. Well, I mean, they got the highest paid left tackle in football history, so there's an investment, but it can't just go in one place and no other place unless you got the young studs who are ready to go. And yeah, they're they're very average. Here's the thing. They're actually the doing never invested in the O-line, by the way. They always just lucked out because they had McKittrick. They're pretty good pass pro. They really are. And, and Brock made a few great plays with his feet to get himself out of trouble. Um, it's the run blocking that has become the real problem. And you know what? Aren't you missing Mike McGlinchey just a little? No. Mike McGlinchey was a hell of a run blocker, Larry. Hell of a run blocker. I, I'm I'm fine with that maneuver. I mean, they saved $30 million. I think if Denver right now, if you got Denver's executives in this room right now, they would, and you said to them, you can either go forward with McGlinchey or get out from underneath that contract. What would you prefer? Well, They're running from that contract. I think I think that was a Chiefs. I think that was a smart move to not, the Chiefs. not sign McGlinch. Uh, Jordan Matthews, they don't have the O-line to run the ball effectively. How can you argue that? Agreed. They haven't and opened holes all year and at any asking, point. They're asking way too much of Christian McCaffrey. 
there look, Kyle is going to even if the Niners are in the postseason, I wonder if they'll be in the postseason with Christian McCaffrey. I just don't know how he's going to take this beating that he gets. Uh, it, they could have Walter Payton. They couldn't run behind this line. Well, hold on. <laughs> Juan Mendoza says, I'm not worried about Brock. Our defense disappeared. I'm yeah. less. I'm, I'm a little concerned about Brock's interceptions for the first time ever. He still has one of the best touchdowns to interception ratios in football, even with his bad day yesterday. But yeah, this, the defense has to be the defining feature of this team in order for this team to reach any goal. It is set for itself this year. And the defining feature of these three losses have been cataclysmic underperformances from this defense. So that needs to improve. I don't know if firing or rehiring Steve Wilkes is the right answer to that. Again, does the next defensive coordinator who gets here on Wednesday whisper something so magical into Nick Bosa's ear that he has a four-sack game? Or is that on just Nick Bosa? But I don't see any any twists. I don't see much stunts. I mean, these guys are just like standing up and playing patty cake with their offensive line across from them. This is what Brock has done in the eight games this year. He's completed 68.3% of his passes. He's thrown for 2,033 yards, 12 touchdowns, five interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 105.4. That's what he's done so far. Now, what he's done in the last three games is complete 62% of his passes, roughly 63%, three touchdowns, five picks, and a passer rating of 77.9. So that's what's going on statistically if we're just going strictly by the numbers. And then if you say, well, what's the difference? I would say, obviously, he's made some mistakes um, and he's got to take better care of the football. But I think what you're seeing in those two numbers is you're seeing in the last three games that the Niners equation for success is kind of eroding around him and it's impacting his game. They can't run the ball, so he has to be their leading rusher. Um, they can't block for the run and they're getting into, and they're making, you know, they had too many penalties in Cleveland. Um, he's still play, making some incredible plays, but he's also made some incredible mistakes. He's got to eradicate those mistakes. But, um, I think once again, you, you know, would he be making those mistakes if they were running the ball effectively? Probably not. They probably wouldn't have as much pressure on this young quarterback. And if you expected him to just seamlessly go from seventh round pick to the very top with no bumps in the road, it's funny. Everybody said it at the time. Well, you know what? He's playing great. They're five and oh, and it looks awesome. But we all know it won't continue. He's going to lose games. He's going to throw picks. Well, then we saw it and it was like, He's not the guy, you know, it's like, well, wait a second. Three weeks ago, we all acknowledged that they were going to lose some games and he was going to throw some picks. Now they've lost a few games and he's thrown some picks and everybody's, you know, freaking out like this guy's, you know, it's like they, like they didn't predict that exact thing happening three weeks ago. Uh, Ethan says new quarterback, same mistakes, sounds systematic. It's on Kyle. I mean, he's better than Brian Hoyer. <laughs> I think Brock's the best quarterback they've had in years. I really do. I think he's way better than Jimmy. HR says NFL defense coordinators get paid millions of dollars. It took them a year to solve Purdy. 
I don't know that they solved him. It just they when you can't run and it's third and long and you have to drop back and make plays, um, you're going to make some, you're going to miss some. I don't know that he's been solved. We'll see, though, because you know what? He has thrown a bunch of picks the last three weeks. And does that trend continue or does he come out and be better for it in the weeks ahead? That's How about this? Key, the Niners aren't going to win a single game this year in which they have three turnovers. I feel pretty confident in that. So you should just you cut that shit out. I'll say this. I don't think the four Niners will win any games this year that Brock Purdy doesn't start. I don't think I don't think Sam Darnold can win a game with this team. I really believe that. James Foster said four Niners and Bills lead the NFL uh, in penalties. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a crusher right there. That is a crusher right there. I didn't know that stat. Did you know that? No, well, I knew that the Bills were way up there, but uh, the Niners are now approaching. Okay, um, th- look, that's Coach. <coughs> Excuse me, <laughs> David. David's going down for the count. I'm telling you, man, I've had a cough that has lingered for. We're going on like day 15 of this thing. Um, go, get a, go get a COVID test. No, this it's it's not COVID. It's All cough. Right. Um, but the, uh, the dude, that's coaching, right? That's coaching. It really is. Um, you, you, Kyle's got to get better himself. You know, Kyle walks around like he's got every single answer in the world, just sitting in his back pocket. And all he's got to do is go to that back pocket and figure out everything. Well, figure it the fuck out, Kyle. Kyle. Quick, quickly, preferably. Easel says developing a quarterback means living with bad mistakes. Amen. It's going to be some mistakes. People forget Josh Allen's first couple of years. I'm not saying this kid's Josh Allen. But I am saying he's the best quarterback they've had in years. Though nobody wants to hear that this morning. Juan Mendoza says, I don't see any stunts with Bosa or anybody else. I don't either. Thought, I, don't yeah, I don't either. I don't, I'm I don't not seeing see, a lot of games up front. I what happened to the NASCAR package? I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. Remember Arden Key last year and all the stunting and all the, the movement? I mean, I did see a few stunts yesterday. I, I can't say that I didn't see any. But, um, you know, here's the other thing that bothered me about that. I talked to players last year and they were like, yeah, you know, um, Chris really is great with the stunts that he calls up front. Then I asked Wilkes about it about five weeks ago. I said, does Chris have autonomy to run the games up front? And he's like, I call all of that. So now Wilkes tells me he's calling the stunts. All right. So well, then maybe he does. He said that Chris is part of the equation, but uh, in developing which ones to use, but he calls them all which surprised me. I, I didn't realize that. Um, but by the way, I got, I got, I got people saying, Damon, it's time to go get a chest X-ray. <laughs> the whole we world doctors in here. It's a very intelligent audience. Yeah. The whole world's just gone full pussy, man. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Bruce men cough until they stop coughing. That's how we, that's how we figure it out. Put a little um, Robitussin on it. We're fine. I'm going to send a, I'm going to send a town car. We're taking you to John Muir. Uh, I'm, I'm old. Greg says, can Wilkes, uh, bring in Sherm for the DBs and let Fred and, uh, Vic run the rest. Now we're bring- doesn't Vic work for the dolphins or is just going to vacuum him off the, uh, Mike McDaniel staff. Hey, Mike, uh, we need Vic now. Send him on over. Right. Actually, we're having, using him right now. You're, you're having the best season. The dolphins have had since Don Shula was a coach, but can we get your defensive coordinator from it? <laughs> yeah. You send your defensive coordinator over. It's week nine. Thank right. you. I Damon, take better care. I got two kids. Their nicknames might as well be Petrie and Dish. When you have two kids, Jillian and I, 
each of us, one of us, has been sick every week for the last four years since Jack was born. That's the way it goes. Those kids, are, they're always touching things. Always. You know, they put their hands on everything. They put their hands in their mouth. Next thing you know, that the entire house is sick. Justin Cheeseman says, problem is the defense isn't good. Exposed the O. Well, I mean, they definitely built this offense with the idea that they had a great defense. And I think they probably go. Kyle's probably gone about scheming and, and calling games like he has a dominant defense. And it might be time to adjust. It might be time to get a little bit more aggressive. Um, but I kind of agree with George that I would go the other way. I'd go ball control. I'd play I'd play ball control and try to play complimentary ball. Run the ball more, but you have to run the ball effectively. And that starts with your line. So how are you going to run the ball effectively? I would say I'd like to see Feliciano and J.P. Mason um, in, in, you know, introduced to this equation. That's how I would, that's at least internally, that would be my, that would be my idea. Uh, Steven Draper says the doghouse is poor, lazy leadership, petty. Now he's blaming Kyle. Uh, Look, here's the one thing that I think we all under the blame goes everywhere. There, there's not a single guy holding a clipboard, wearing a headset, wearing a jersey, that doesn't need to spend a lot of time looking at themselves in the mirror this week. It's This is team-wide, every-level failure, three weeks in a row. So it's time for an internal, you know, who really wants this? And they, they, needed the, they need the bye week in the worst way, too. It's well-timed. It really is. It They're really falling is. off tackles on defense, and that is a lot tied to fatigue, based on my experience. Jeb says Huff starting to tackle like Eric Reed. Um, is that an emoji? Oh, is that trash? What is that? Trash That's game? a trash bin. Yes. Great, great. He ruined Bowman's knee. He needs to put his mask where the ball is. Um, we got this one from Daza. He says 49 are hubris, biting them in the ass. They refuse to invest in their offensive line. They go cheap at quarterback and corner. They overinvested in the D line and current and currently it looks awful. A lot of criticism this morning. A lot of criticism. People are saying, by the way, how come you guys are only reading super chats? Dude, have you ever been to a busy restaurant? You get sat faster if you tip the mater D. Well, I'm believe me, anybody who who's a regular on my channel knows I read all chats, but um I'm just trying to get through the super chats because we have so many here. We have a, a few more, and then we'll get back to the regularly scheduled chats. I'm old. Greg says, I'd rather have Larry out there the, uh, than Oliver. Damn. Thank you. Uh, how Larry disappointing would it be? Well. How disappointing would it be if a 53-year-old guy with a gut is now playing slot corner? I just like that press conference. I'd love to see John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan introducing Larry Kruger. Tim Kawakami is going to be all over you, Larry, all over you. <laughs> I don't do interviews. Uh, Daza says still good with Kyle Shannon and, and John Lynch extension before what's EOS. What does I don't know. For? I'm fine with those. First of all, I like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan's a good head coach. I think John Lynch is a good general manager. So right. yes, 
Right. Remember, remember, before there were three straight losses, this team was close to setting the record for most consecutive wins in franchise history. Like, we can't pretend that all of those weeks didn't happen. You know, what, 16 in a row? Is that what they got? 16 in a row? You know, I mean, it, like, everyone wants to quickly forget. Yeah how good it all was right until things went bad. This is the ebb and flow of an NFL regular season. A lot of you ain't cut out for, to watch football, but you do it anyways. And I watch you all clutch your pearls and panic all the time. This is not a panicky, jittery league. You got to be ready to get clocked on the chin and just walk through it and stand up like a man. And like, you gotta, sometimes you got to roll up your sleeves and you got you to gotta come up with a plan. You know yeah. what? You know, you're right now. It's it, it, if this if this was a boat, they're taking in water, right? They got to figure it out before the boat sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Not Nacho Crash <laughs> says here, Damon, get yourself some halls. Thank you very much. Now that that would didn't look like it it was done on my channel. So you just gave Larry five dollars for my halls. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, Keith Murphy, this is on your channel. I think he says, Keith Murphy, the unbeaten problem is the defense regular when supposed to be elite. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, if you wanted to get the simplest, super the easy way to explain it. Yes. The strength of this team is no longer even a factor on this team, man. When they got Hargrave, I was like jailbreak on the quarterback, baby. So much for that. Uh, blood moon says, here's a deuce. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you there, sir. Appreciate you, sir. Uh, Sid Brown. Yesterday, by the way, in the post game, we had like, I think about 250 super chats, 250 super chats last night. Sid Brown says, we don't have the personnel for ball control, and it would also mean Kyle has to change. Yikes. Well, why don't you have the personnel for ball control? Why not? You got you got backs. You got Mason. Mason's fresh as a daisy. The guy's carried like three times in three months. Why not? You got McCaffrey. McCaffrey was, people were arguing McCaffrey's the MVP of the league. You got George Kittle. He's an out, outstanding run blocking tight end. You got Charlie Warner on the roster. What's he? He's a run blocker. He's not a receiver. I mean, you, you I don't know about that. You got, you got big physical receivers in, in Juwan Jennings, Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, it, you got all kinds of of advantages running running the football. Uh, you may need to switch out an O lineman. Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says those three first round picks could be the could be O lineman. Yeah, the three ones that went for for Lance. That that was a that you know. Let's be honest there. That was an investment that uh, didn't pan out and is still hurting them to some degree. Imagine if they had three first round pick linemen right now instead of a fourth round pick in next year's draft for Trey. Look, it, it was easy to say with Brock's arrival that the drafting of Trey Lance wasn't as bad and as harmful as it really is. And it really will be going forward. You know, they are down three very talented players and then don't even have the player that they gave those picks away for. I mean, right. it was a disaster. Yeah. There's no other. There's no other way to It'd say. Be it. like if you drafted AJ Jenkins three years in a row. Had Trey Lance never been born, the 49ers are a better football team today. But Kyle fell for the okie doke. He really did. He fucked Let, that up massively. 
Well, I mean, I don't know if you want to put it all on Kyle. The organization made you it know, is all on Kyle, Larry. Don't let the fact that it's no, I mean, Lynch is the general manager. They both have you. to wear it. They this is lit- the whole show is Kyle's. Come on, you know that. No, but John, you're making it sound like John Lynch is a stooge. John Lynch he's is not, not a stooge. stooge. He's an evaluator. He's a trusted resource. Adam Peters is not a stooge. The Niners scouts are not stooges. Not not a, these are guys. You can I, the buck stops with Kyle, and I guess you yeah. can hold his feet to the fire, and that's fine. Yep. But let's not pretend he made all these moves without any input from anybody else. Somebody in that room said, "Hey, okay, let's do this." They got to wear it. To, they got to wear it collectively. Kyle took the blame for it because he is at the top of the masthead and has to wear it. But we all know these are these are group decisions. They group screwed that up. Here, I see well, you got four more of these. Go through them quick, and then we're going right. to end on, I guess, a positive note. Okay, what? I, I, are you sure you want to do that? Blood uh, Moon says, uh, here's a deuce. Thank you, Blood Moon. Thank you. Jeb drops the deuce on you. Is Looter Jr. still unavailable? What a weird thing that is, huh? He had a bone bruise, a knee bone bruise this summer. And he was on the pop list and he's still on the pop list and it's October the 30th. So I got to really wonder about what's going on there, but I'll say this. What I you look great in minicamp talking about a long arm corner who, who, who could play man to man likes to play man to man. Justin Cheeseman says division wins equal playoffs. Y'all think we're in, we in, uh, yeah, they're, they're undefeated in the division and they, I think they're going to handle Seattle. I really do. But, you know, we, we you know, I think the problem is, Larry, is they're not handling anyone right now. I, I don't, th- I don't think you can assume that the 49ers are just going to get off a bus and whip ass. They, that, that, that's not who they are right now. Maybe they return to that. But for the last three weeks, that's, that's not what we're seeing, man. Can you decipher that? No, but thank you. Blood Moon. <laughs> Blood Moon. What is that? What is that? Uh, but thank you. Thank you, sir. It says uh, 23, 5 and 3 with Wilkes. Oh, okay. So this year they're 5 and 3 with Wilkes. Last year they were 4 and 4 with D'Amico. 2021 they were 3 and 5 with D'Amico. 2020 they were 4 and 4 with Sala. In other words, pump the brakes, everybody. Calm down. Everybody needs to calm the hell down. You deciphered that. Nice job, man. That was like. I thought, you know what? I've, I used to have the, I used to drink Lucky Lager in college. Remember the caps? Remember no. those caps? Oh, Lucky Lager used to have these caps and then you'd have to figure it out. Um, Sac State, baby. Sac State. Um, oh, here we go. Here's a very, we need a balanced. Oh, we got one more from Daza here. He says the Seahawks are a lot better this year than last year. All right. Can't wait to see it. Um, here we go. Here's a very balanced take. Purdy will never win another game. <laughs> Solid. Solid. Uh, here we go. Ryan Mack. Trade Elijah Mitchell in a pick for Derrick Henry to help CMC. Oh, man. Well, what do you, Damon, you want to finish on a positive note? All right. Here's, here's my positive note. Whether you like us or love us or hate us, We'd like to invite you to come join us. 
Plus Mania 2, Electric Boogaloo, co-starring Larry Kruger, is going down this bye week on November 5th at Victory Hall on Rich Street. Larry's coming on out. Gianna Franco's showing up. And we're going to get together with an awful lot of good friends. We're going to have a few drinks. We're going to watch a little football. We're going to enjoy each other's company. YouTube community is really amazing. And we're all going to be together. Uh, so come on out, Larry. I hope you can bring Amy. Let's all have a great time time on Sunday at Victory Hall. We're going to get going around 1 o'clock, so show up around noon, 1 o'clock, and we're going to have ourselves a fun day watching football, hanging out, drinking together. Don't drive. Take BART. If you're coming from the East Bay or anywhere else, grab an Uber. Let's have a good time together. We might even slip outside and put it in the air, if you know what I'm talking about, Larry, because we get down. So that is what we're doing this coming up Sunday. There's good news. Number one, a chance to hang out and party with Damon and Larry coming up. Victory Hall, Sunday. Two player notes that are absolutely worthy of sharing, even though everybody is incredibly disappointed with the status of the Niners after eight games. Christian McCaffrey has tied an NFL record with 17 straight games with a touchdown, playoffs included. That's absurd. It's truly absurd. Christian McCaffrey, even though limited the last couple of weeks, is still in the end zone with the football like Colonel Mustard is in the dining room with the candlestick. I mean, it's... I used to love that game. It's really unbelievable what he's done. Um, he is drifting into the lane of that, you know, like the, 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 the room that is reserved for the greatest of great Niners. Christian McCaffrey's on the doorstep of that. If Christian McCaffrey wins the Super Bowl with the 49ers, he is going to be in that room with, you know, Ronnie Lott and Jerry and Joe and all the truly greats, because that's who he is. He is one of the single greatest players in the history of this franchise. 17 straight games with a touchdown. You can't even do that in Madden. Go try. Go ahead. Go try. Go try to score 17 straight times with one dude in a game of Madden. It's not going to happen very often. And while we're bagging on the defense, and rightfully so, yesterday, Fred Warner became the franchise's second leading tackler ever, only behind Patrick Willis. And George Kittle has more receiving yards than any other tight end in the history of the 49ers. He passed Vernon Davis. So some historical reshuffling of the 49ers all-time record book did happen in a losing effort. So no one wants to pat anyone on the back after a loss. But exemplary season for Christian McCaffrey. Fred Warner is a tackling machine. And George Kittle, it's really good to see him involved because there are weeks where it feels like he is not nearly as involved as, as he should be. He's, you know, he's, he's a special player and he needs to be given the ball more. Um, so there are some things that are still working for the 49ers. And again, they averaged 8.2 yards per play. They're most in any game since 2021 in a day where we can say you got held to 17 points. Therefore, your offense sucked as their offense sucked. Brock Purdy was setting career highs in passing yardage and in rushing yards and Ayuk went over 100 yards. Uh, we saw George Kittle go over 100 yards, and both guys going over 100 receiving yards this is the first time that a Niner tandem each went over 100 yards since Crabtree and Vernon Davis 
back in 2012. So, you know, there is still talent in that locker room. There's still a lot of talent on this team. Just a few weeks ago, we were asking, is this the most talented team in the NFL? Well, after three losses, no one can make that argument anymore. But they're still a very good football team having a bad stretch of football. And they better use this bye to get better because it's the only one they got. And the schedule is about to get a lot harder. So if they are going to be the team that is attached to the loftiest of expectations, this is going to be a huge week. I mean, Larry, the Super Bowl can't get one in a bye week, obviously. But you can turn your 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 franchise's boat back into the direction of looking like a real contender, and they need to. That game against Jacksonville is going to be a monster, an absolute monster. And if they lose they the bye week, then we can talk about how things have really gone wrong. Because then you're going to get a shot to, you know, you got a puncher's chance clearly against Tampa Bay, and then it's Seattle, Philadelphia, Seattle. It's time to win. It's time to win a game. Uh, two more supers on the way out. Jonathan, three, two, oh, six, five dollars. And then he throws in this one. Damon, boil some halls, add lemon and honey. It will help your cough. Thank you very much. I love I love a good like Italian grandmother solution for solving diseases. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Take care of yourself, man. Take care of yourself. Um, everybody needs to go down to. Uh, Palmetto Superfoods and get them get yourself an acai bowl. Thanks to Charles from Palmetto's. Uh, we, you know, fantastic product. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe that would help your situation. I think so. Maybe I think I should go get an acai bowl. That's a great get, idea. And when you get, get your bowl. get it at Palmetto Superfoods, it is fantastic. It's delicious. And uh you got to try one. It's just that simple. Forget about nutritional anything. It's yummy. Go eat one. Remember that uh, that 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 commercial, Mikey? He likes it. He likes try it. it. Try it. You'll like it. Hey, and you know, I I mean this even to the knuckleheads. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for choosing to come on over for two guys who are doing it independently, and in my opinion, better than people who are attached to other things and stations. And this is oh, I, I knew we were going to have a good one today, Larry. We did have a good one today. I think we have we, about 1,200 people in the room. Uh, really good stuff today. You know, I'd like well, to thank everybody for supporting I get all the those channel. 1,200 people to please subscribe to Damon Bruce Plus. Again, I'll be able to afford cough drops if 100 people right now can go ahead and subscribe to Damon Bruce Plus. Thank you so much for watching. Really do appreciate it. Thanks for all the comments, all the super chats, all the support. Hit that like button. Hit the notify button. And don't miss anything that we do together because I think we bring out the best in each other, Larry. I really do. And I've been told that by many, many people who have been watching us all season long. And uh, it's just like old times, man. So, hey, I got one one uh, thing to share here on the screen. Uh, if I can find it, it's a developing story. Uh-oh. Um, developing story. Developing story. What are we I developing? Might- Benjamin Albright, do you know who he is? Yeah, he covers the Denver Broncos for KOA, doesn't he? Yeah, Benjamin Albright says the 49ers have reportedly shown trade interest in Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson per Benjamin Albright. Damon, you are a, uh, you know, 
Chicago person. I mean, obviously- Again, I don't know why the Bears would 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 make that trade. To be totally honest with you, but he had a that- pick six what last week. Yeah. And I don't even know if he played last night. I think they might have shut him down for a night because of a sprained ankle or something. But um, that was a that was a Bears game that was very easy to turn off early in the game. It was just awful. Um, look, yes, if you can go get him, go get him. He's a player. He is a player. So if you can add him, that is, you know, equivalent to Patrick Sertain, maybe. So go get him. Sure, if you can do that, do that. Again, Montez Sweat sounds fantastic. Balls out before Sweat's getting to a quarterback, too. Go get yourself another corner. That's what I think the 49ers need to do in the next 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, that would be a nice one. That would be a nice one. I mean, I I, I like the idea of Jalen Johnson. Um, he, you know, he is he here here we go. Here it is. Let me, let me uh, just quickly share this for everybody so you guys can see it so you don't just think I'm making it up. Is it a tweet? It's a tweet. Here we okay, go. You just read it. We believe you. Here we go. You sounded like Ralph there for a second. I've always liked Jalen Johnson. He he grabs the ball. He runs it back. He wears 33. I've always liked three. Three and three and 33. Uh, (laughs) We were on the glass at Calgary. We got treated very well at the Saddle Dome. I mean, I like it. He likes it. And Jalen Johnson. So there you go. For, uh, at SF 49ers, the 49ers are reportedly shown trade interest in uh, Bears corner Jalen Johnson. Um, so there you go. And that was put out this morning at 9.45 a.m. So there you go. We we shall see. The trade deadline's coming. Um, you know, uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's a John Lynch is on the spot, right? Because he he's the GM. They need some help. They know. Um, they know. And- they're going to do something, Larry. They're going to do something in 24 hours. Absolutely. They're they're too good. They owe it to themselves to do something here. So I think they're going to. Yep. All right, man. Hey, have a great Monday, everybody. Um, you know, keep the faith, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Dave, you got a final thought? Uh, happy Halloween tomorrow. Drive safely. Watch out for those kitties. And don't be the guy don't be the guy giving out apples or, or anything that's like savory. If, if you don't have candy, there's, there's one move, turn off the light and watch a movie. <laughs> exactly. Go downstairs. You ain't participating. <laughs>